This is Deborah Voorhees from Friday the 13th, Part 5 and 13 Fanboy. You are listening to Slumber Party Massacre with Lacey. That lady's lying. She's probably sucking Pedro's dick. Nikki. Oh, goodness. Rebecca. We love to have premarital sex. Heather. And, and I was like, we need to get the fuck <laughs> now. Carly. Gonna like punch this guy in the face. This is my moment. And with special guest, Jamie Sammons. That was a dagger, but okay. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. Invited to attend episode seven of the Slumber Party Massacre podcast. I am Lacey Bartnipples Lou and weighing in from the Friday Nightmares podcast. We have Heather. I don't play hockey, but I'll play with your pucks, pal. What's up, Fuck Heather? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Lacey. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And to my left, we have representing her channel on YouTube, Nikki, the Tarot Reader Williams. What's up, Nikki? Thank you for the glorious introduction. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And hailing from In the Mic of Madness, our resident, Rebecca, the OG Grandma Slut Reinhardt. And we also have uh, a very special guest um, joining us today. We have Jamie. I'll knock a whole point off the movie screen for Sydney's mannerism, Salmon. (laughs) 
damn straight. <laughs> What's up, Jamie? Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having me. Even though I didn't know you knew that about <laughs> about what I said about Sydney, I was warned the other day not to say anything bad about Sydney in front of you. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Well, you know, she she did win our final girl battle. You you are aware, right? I am aware. Yeah. <laughs> are you disappointed in that choice? <laughs> no, I mean, you, that's your opinion. You're allowed to have it. I'm, no I one was stronger than you at all. Opinion. No one. Yeah. Not for a <laughs> I almost died on that episode, Jamie. Did no, you, you didn't. That? <laughs> I was I was close to Lacey making me the yeah. fucking final victim in Scream Five. That was what happened. <laughs> well, no. I was if in that the was same gonna... room with Lacey. Yeah, I was in the same room with Lacey. I know. We don't even know how you made it. <laughs> oh, no, Jamie, I've been waiting to bust your balls for that one for a while. <laughs> um, and then I figured we'll end the last uh, co-host for this evening with, you know, the actual boxer of the group. Carla, I'll punch my own cousin in the face, Sonnefeld! <laughs> yeah, come around, I'll beat your asses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, Carla... Carly, you have to tell us the story. <laughs> okay, well, it it's kind of stems from a long story, but to sum it up, my mom lived in a trailer on my aunt and uncle's property. They asked her to move there, like, that was probably like five years ago now, because my mom had bad cancer at the time, and my aunt's like, we'll take care of you, we have this trailer, you'll never have to worry about anything again. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to now, uh, my cousin impregnated his girlfriend at the whopping age of like 19. And they had a baby. They were living in this apartment. And they're claiming all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like, this apartment is so haunted. And at first I was all for it. I'm like, oh, I love ghosts and stuff. And then they started being like, stuff was getting thrown around the room and hitting us and everything. And I'm like, oh, neat, demons. And um, <laughs> so now I'm to the point where I think that whole story was bullshit. And really, my cousin just wanted that trailer. So my uncle and the, the, my mom ended up getting kicked out of that trailer. Um, and it happened in a way that it shouldn't have had. Uh, it became like a huge falling out fight thing. Um, but then we were cool with my aunt again after that. Uh, but my uncle and cousin, we were not mainly because my cousin's a prick and sent my mom this nasty text saying like, I fucking hate you. I never considered you my aunt. Um, you should have been back on your feet. Uh, my mom has had to take care of you for all this time. My mom has like worked through like all of this, by the way, like she like has well, and your been mom on had her fucking feet. cancer. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. there's really no, yeah, <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> but it was a huge thing. He was like, you know, I just, if you need help moving your stuff out, I'll like set it on fire for you if you want. Like just this huge, Correct. disgusting thing. And oh, there's, there was like way more. I can't even think of everything else, but um, yeah, it was pretty much gross. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Oh, he's done so much. My mom's done so much for this kid too, like to help him out. And he's one of those people that's very manipulative. And my aunt's just like, has fed into it. It's like their fault. They parented him like in a bad way. Like he's just, you yeah, know, he's a fucking gets everything asshole. he wants. Yeah. yeah. Who who treats people like that? I hope you knocked out a teeth, like well, several teeth actually. I hope you knocked out his front teeth and he looks like a fucking idiot walking around. I did not quite do that. I don't think. Oh, too bad. But yeah, he's kind of a big guy. He is like he's heavy set. He's tall and everything. So, um, I was gonna make this my most <laughs> dangerous experience, honestly, because it was like just like. 
something I never have done before. I've never been in an actual fight, but basically we, my aunt begged us to come over and swim because we hadn't been over there because we're uncomfortable going over there. And my mom and I were like, all right. And we went over there and my cousin and my uncle, you know, they were just doing their own thing. And my aunt was like drinking a little bit and she was like, you know, I'm just so depressed about all this and I wish it could be resolved. And I like, I, I don't hold grudges. So I'm the one I'm like, well, you know what, just send Tyler and like James over here and we'll, we can talk about it and we're not going to fight. We're just going <laughs> to talk about it. Like I'm legit the one being the hero here. And then my aunt like jumped on that because she wanted everything to be good and she wanted to get them. And my mom's kind of looking at me like, oh, I don't know about that, Carly. And because my mom was like still sick, sick to her stomach, didn't want to even talk to them. But I was like, we could just, we need to like resolve it eventually. It's our family. What if one of us dies tomorrow? That's the way I always think. So they come over. Tyler brings his baby because we did want to see the baby. It's been a long time. And baby was cute, by the way. Baby was yeah, adorable. And that interview with the baby was adorable. Thank you. Yeah, I'll probably never see that baby again. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> she is a very cute little girl. And that is it is sad because that's my aunt's granddaughter and she loves her. And I love her, too. But, you know, she came out of from that guy. Um, but he comes over with his stupid looking girlfriend and they're sitting there. <laughs> and my uncle... <laughs> She's completely weird. She's quiet. She like stares at you like, like just weird the whole time. And we not no one. My aunt doesn't. No one likes her. Um, and they're sitting there. My uncle comes over. He conveniently gets a phone call, so he's like not really paying attention. My uncle and then I'm sitting there and we're like taking pictures with the baby, being cool. And the you know there's obviously a big elephant in the room. My cousin's standing there, just look has that prick look on his face. And finally, my aunt's like, so anyone want to say anything? And my mom's like, nah, I'm good. And I was just like, well, you know, I kind of do. Like, I want things to be resolved and I want us all to be good. I think it's stupid that we all hate each other. No one says anything. It's like completely awkward. And then I like continue to say like, so, you know, I just maybe we should get our feelings out. Still no one's saying anything. My aunt's like, Tyler, please listen to her. And he's like, I'm listening. And he was like, I don't got anything to say. And then that's when I, st- I this was guy like, this sounds like such a prick, Carly. I want to punch him in the face. When I, come, I when I leave Canada, like I'm minutes. going to punch him. Rebecca, okay, you good. Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> gang, gang up on him. Do you think he'll listen oh. to this episode? No, I don't think he will ever listen to anything I do again or talk to me again. But so I think we're good here. Um, but. Yeah, so my aunt's like, hey, talk to her. And then he's like, I don't have anything to say. And I was like, like, you had a lot to say to my mom in that text you sent that one time. I mean, I'm just wondering why you hate your aunt. I would never talk to your mother being my aunt like that, even when we have fought before. Like, just the stuff you said was disgusting. And then he's still just like, oh, my God. And then I was like, oh, are you going to, like, just bitch out now? And then my mom's sitting there like, I never even, I don't really swear in front of my family but I swore a lot in this like five minute period and then he was just like and my aunt's like Tyler please and then he's all like I'm gonna bitch out and then I just went pussy and then like I just said like dude you said so like you could say all this stuff in text and then oh I forgot even yeah I was like that's the difference between you and your mother because my aunt's pretty crazy too she's like fought a lot of people and she has like bipolar like she's like just kind of whacked and um, she's, I was like, you know, she'll actually tell people stuff to their face and like fight them. But you just sit there and like you can text people this stuff. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, a lot of stuff was said to her, too. And I was like, like what? Not by me. And then 
he's like, you guys took this whole thing the wrong fucking way. And I was like, oh, how did we take it the wrong fucking way? Then he's like, oh, if we're going to start screaming at each other, I'm just leaving. And then he like goes to grab the baby and stuff. And then my aunt's like, no, Tyler, don't. And then he starts walking off the porch and Alina. Oh, yeah, that's his girlfriend's name. Um, She like has the baby and then he's walking away. And so, <laughs> that's when I started following him. And I was like, really, dude, like you're going to walk away. And it's it was one of those moments where it was just like, this is it. Like, I know I'm going to like, punch this guy in the face this is my moment like I've never done this before in my life and I it just like was within me I was like this is gonna end so bad and I could feel it I could feel it brewing inside me I didn't even I had like one drink that's it I wasn't drunk or anything and he like said like you know I called him a mommy's boy and I said I feel bad for your girlfriend because like you're gonna have to have your mom take care of both of you your whole lives and then he was like well my mom took care of your mom for years and that's when I was like my mom had fucking cancer and I kind of blacked out, and that's like when the fist. I think I punched that's when him Carla twice. took over. Yeah, Carla yeah, took over. Carla I punched him right. twice. The whole family was crying, and then I just got in my car, <laughs> threw the beer, threw the beer in the yard, and drove away. So you know, it sounds like a typical Fourth of July party to me. What my understanding is as a Canadian of what happens. So I think it yeah. sounds pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, and it was a good Fourth of July weekend. Like I had a good time on the third with uh just you know we went to see fireworks and stuff, and then on the actual fourth I was with my dad's side of the family this was the fifth of July so it was like going so well and we had a good day swimming at my aunt's house up until that point so but then it turned it was still good because I've always wanted to punch him so it was still like I felt good and all my family's like texting me like my dad's like I heard you had to show Tyler what's up and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then my aunt Sharon she's like in her 60s she's like I ought to go down there and beat his ass too and I was like yeah go get him but <laughs> so that's the story. Um, I sorry, love that you it's kind of long. Dropped it, just like I'm out. Yeah. Drive away. <laughs> I was just so li- I was like, I need to leave. Like I'm want like <laughs> they probably all want me to leave. I'm not gonna linger any longer than I should. I just grabbed my towel and my purse and my Coors Light. My mom's following me. She's like, don't drive with that. <laughs> and I like threw it. Yeah. With the like my cousin was walking up the yard oh and I told his girlfriend when she was walking away because she like slammed the door she didn't like come running towards us or anything she just sat there and did nothing I was like Alina like you're really gonna slam stuff no one likes you anyway and my aunt texted me and she was like, my aunt loved that because she like hates her so that was yeah that's the reason that was funny. Yeah. well guys aside from that did everybody else have a great fourth of July yeah I didn't I had a good Canada day Oh, yeah, Canada Day. Um, <laughs> now, but, when yeah. is is Canada Day the same first. day, or is that it's the, the first? first. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that kind of weird that they're like that connected? Like, you that know what? Well, we were one all colony at one time before you guys were fucking traitors. Like what? that's kind of how that went. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Oh wow. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, we're so kind of like when stuff. you were dead to me on the first debate yeah. or the second debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We do the exact same shit. We have barbecues or cookouts, Dave C, whatever you want to call it. Um, we also have fireworks and stuff like that. But I'm lucky because I live near Niagara Falls. So I can go down to the Canadian side and watch the American fireworks on the 4th. And usually that's what I'll do um, because I can just see them across the river. So you're so. just mooching off of us. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. You think you get two fourths? This you know what? You know, Carly, I don't want to beef with you too, okay? Like, I don't want you throwing your cool lights at <laughs> shirt. Well, it'd be Mike's hard lemonade today, so I it'd be. I think that. Yeah, that would, I think that would hurt so. a little more. Yeah. And that makes, 
like stain something a little bit worse so we don't want that to happen right yeah yeah all right guys well we should get into some fan mail what do you think yeah all right so i will go with how about tara reed guys as i'm pulling this up oh man (laughs) i'm not proud of tara reed (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm very disappointed with tara reed (laughs) after the episode not surprised after the episode dropped, I had about four different people message me, and they're like, is Tara wasted? No. <laughs> and Dave Z said, uh, he was like, at the beginning of the show, I thought she said Terry, and I was thinking, Terry who? Like, Tara Reed. I guess it kind of sounds... Terry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're uh, drunk, it does. Conversation between you and Dave. Oh, my God, it was adorable. <laughs> it's so cute. Dave's funny. Uh, Mike said we need Tara Reed to say, yeah, play that fucking shit. Because if anybody knows, Dan Chase went to a concert and lost his voice, and that's all he screamed, like, the entire show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so we had Kevin W. Smith, who listened. He said, just finished listening to episode six. You ladies get better with each show, and your knowledge of of the horror genre is great. I can't wait to see you all grow more. Here's a funny story about a camp I went to. It was my junior year in high school. I was at football camp. Nothing smells great like 60 to 80 dudes sweating their butts off in the Iowa temps above 100 in humidity in the 90s. And guys didn't wash their practice pants and jerseys for weeks. Best smell ever. Anyways, one day after practice, we football players had to take cleats off before going into the roundhouse. Nikki and Lacey know how the school is. It's like a round like little building because we both we all went to the same high school. Um we have the these trash cans right before you enter the roundhouse. There were always bees around it. There really were. Um, so I was taking my cleats off and talking with my friend Brian Cherry. All of a sudden, I felt something in my football pants. Then I felt like something bit me. And then again, then I saw something fly out of my pants. It was a bee. I got stung twice on the butt in two different places. I was like, I just got stung twice on my ass in a different place. My friend Brian just started to laugh his butt off. Everyone that was walking into the locker room Brian was like, Kevin got stung on his ass. So the f- whole football team heard it. It was great times. <laughs> that sounds funny. All right. <laughs> Poor guy. <Horrible>. Embarrassing, man. <laughs> oh, no. I remember when that happened. Like, our grandma went to, like, go pick him up. And... Oh, you know him personally. Yeah, it, he's my uncle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's your uncle. Oh, yeah. that's cool. And, um, yeah, and I kind of just want to give him a shout out as well. He just recently started a podcast um it's called it's on anchor it's called soundtrack kev is that what it's called nikki yeah he just dropped he's dropped two episodes on there yeah and he does um he'll talk about the film he's done the warriors and i think streets of fire i think that's what it's called and then he talks about the soundtrack it's pretty cool so check it out everybody and then we have two voice clips um two voice messages and so I'll just play the first one now. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Virus, a.k.a. Android Virus, from the Android Vision Show and the Cemetery Gates podcast. Just uh, popping by to show you a little bit of love. I'm also a podcast partner with Miss Heather Powell on the It's Not Horror OK podcast. And um, love what you guys do. Also want to uh, see if uh, you take requests. And if you do... I'd love it if you guys could cover possibly the Greasy Strangler and uh, Mandy, because Nudie hates those movies, and I hate Nudie. So anything to make his life more difficult would be uh, okay by me. I love you guys. Keep up the good work. 
Good night. <laughs> I love that no he's listening to Baby Come Back in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Baby Come Back. Android asked me, he sent that to me, and he wanted me to promo his show. Have you guys watched the show before? Android yes. Vision? Yeah. Um, you have? You have, Lacey? You've yeah, watched Android yeah. Vision? Yep, he posted awesome. it in uh, so, Cut to the Chase, yeah. Awesome. So he has this monthly show that he does, and he reviews really shitty movies, like <laughs> really shitty movies they play. Uh, but he's super funny, and he's also on It's Not Horror With Me. So I told him I'd give a shout-out. Please check it out if you haven't yet. This he's is YouTube, fun. right? Uh, this is on YouTube. He also does the Cemetery Gates podcast. It's uh, Android Vision. It's fun, Rebecca. You would like it. It's I, a well, really fun. Well, you said shitty movies, and <laughs> she's like... He's a really nice, fun guy. One of my favorite people. I'm really glad I get to work with him. I just got to say, I hate Mandy. <laughs> and, and, oh, do you? I've seen, and I've it. never seen Greasy Strangler, so I can't really. Yeah. yeah. I've given Mandy two shots, and I'm not a fan. Oh, well, that's a sign, right? So, After two times, like you don't Mandy. like it? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, we have one more fan mail, and this is from Dave Z. Hello, ladies. It's Dave Z. How's everybody doing out there? Good. I decided to uh, <laughs> do it this way. Man, I'm so, so sick of typing. I feel like he's calling from the road. I big thing the other day for Friday Nightmares. <laughs> I was going to type something out for his and hers. If I could just do a voice message style, it's it's definitely the way to go for me. I, I barely have time to even type the messages. And at 30 minutes, I get at work for my lunch. That's when I always do it. You'll, you'll always notice it's between 1 and 1.30. Look and see. That's when I do it. Once I get home, there's no free time. There's no nothing. So this is it. But uh, let's talk about last episode. Uh, Heather, I, um, f- for, for real, I can't, uh, my memory is shit. If you listen to my stuff at all, you know this. So I really didn't remember your thing about the Final Destination story. I remember you talking about it once i guess i don't know that you mentioned it but i don't know <laughs> i wasn't thinking about that i guess my memory is fucking horrible uh and, and further proof of that is that apparently becca's mentioned about going abroad before <laughs> no 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 i didn't know that at all i've listened to all their shows for Mike of madness and this one i i've never heard that why well, i may have heard it but it doesn't register okay um Lacey needs a mud flap. Another person that makes two of you now. So mud flaps are very important. Um, get a brand as far as the game. Um, <laughs> I was, I was I, the Eskimo twins thing. It did sound familiar to me. So if I gun to my head, that's what I would have chosen. Same, same as uh, most of you, or maybe all of you. But I think Jizz Twins would be a better name. <laughs> to be oh yeah. I don't know. Jizz Twins just has has a better flow. It's shorter. I don't know. I don't understand why truffle butter is supposed to be a bad thing when we got that opinion. Again, yes, I'm a pervert. Yes, um, sorry, but I think truffle butter is, is good to go, you know? I don't think we said uh, it was a bad thing. Sarf is something that I'm going to use from now on, any chance it comes up in life. So I to be honest, I don't remember what any of these definitions know, are. Or it's truffle butter, not Sarf, but one testicle is bigger. I knew that. I just didn't know which one. I don't know, but I think well, all guys. You should have looked at your own day. <laughs> I don't know if I would have guessed right or left. So who knows? <laughs> Heather said that I would know the answer. I think to um, 
something on the face and drying out or whatever. The facial. I, I didn't look it up in the <laughs> dictionary. I don't know if it's there, but I would go with glazed donut. I think that's the, the term that I used to use, you know, when I was younger. You come up looking like you got a glazed donut on your face or that you're a glazed donut or something. I don't know. Um, that's cool. Carly said something. <laughs> I ain't afraid no bees. And it's so funny because I just put up this movie of um, movies I made when I was a kid about a killer snake. And on that very day, <laughs> somebody was talking, and my brother and I have been talking about this for 30 years. Because we don't know if this one woman said it or if uh, our mother said it. But this guy was talking. He was my father's friend. He was at the table, and he said something about um, the bee was pissing him off. And when he finds out who it is, he's going to call the bee busters. And then somebody yelled, Bee Busters! Because at the time, Ghostbusters was new and hot. It was the 80s. People were happy just saying, you know, silly shit like that. What else? What else? I cannot believe that Lacey did not, one time, being the Scream fangirl that she is, unless I got the line wrong, because clearly I I didn't know the difference between Billy and Stu, so, you know, maybe I'm fucked up. But... She said, uh, that's a wrap, 10 kill, like a dozen times. It's cut, Casper, that's a wrap. I believe that she did not say that's a wrap, Casper. Unless I got that line wrong. Yes, in my it's head, wrong, Daisy. That's what she said in the garage before she got killed. I could be wrong. So, uh, I, I cut, Casper, that's a wrap. I cannot even get into cheerleader camp because it's one of those rare movies that there are instances where it's so bad it's good. But there are also instances of it just being a lot of fun as a slasher. And that, that's a hard combination. And I, I've always loved it. It has nothing to do with the TNA. Although I will say <laughs> it is probably as the second. Um, if Black Christmas 06 or whatever year that was, was the uh, the best um, attractive female cast ever, then this is probably a close second. And I won't get into it. I've talked about it on my own show, so there's no need to, you know, take up more time here. But beautiful cast, absolutely. But I don't care about TNA in my horror. I, I never have. I always said if I want. Dave, to I call bullshit on that. Dave, bullshit. I'm there for the gore and the fun and everything else. But whatever, TNA, take it or leave it. Uh, if I was into <laughs> that, I'd watch those stupid Jim Warnowski, whatever the hell is being in And I don't. But I think it's a great slasher. But again, I don't know. Actually, Johnny Krug, R.I.P., um, it's one of his favorite slashers, too. And uh, so that's cool. Um, good timing for um, you guys to actually happen to cover that movie. So um, what else? The, the, the sleepaway camp stuff was a lot of fun. Loved it. It was great. I The only complaint I have is I think that, what's his name, with the arrow through the throat? Ah, man, that should have gotten more love. To this day, I don't know how they pulled it off. It's such a well-done kill. I just... I love it, but I, I I am in agreement on what became number one on this show anyway, <laughs> but I just think that what's his name with the arrow in the throat, oh man, it's so good, shit, um, but I don't think he was a perv, but again, that's coming from me, um, just because the guy's in his 60s, he wants to date, date a, a girl in her 20s, I don't know, I hope, <laughs> is she my wife happens though? to Are they supposed to be teenagers? I should be so She's fortunate. Counselor, that makes so. me a perv, I guess it does, but... Yeah. No. Matter of fact, that oh, brings Meg, me not you, Meg. <laughs> I've wanted to tell the story, but it's so much to type. It's so, so red. Uh, sorry, I'm going to do it. Or you could put it on the next show, because I don't want to take up too much of uh, your guys' precious time. But 
my horror story is this. When I moved to Vegas, I was, uh, it was about 2001 or 2002 at the time. I was pretty fortunate because I was dating this girl who was like 19 and I was like 30. And, but again, maybe I'm a perv. I don't know. But that's the way I always rolled. I never, I never dated a woman that was even in her 30s until I was in my 40s. So that's just the way I did it. I'm sorry. You know, some people think that's great. Some people think it's pervy, I guess. I just happen to like younger females. So All I'm learning from this, guys, is that I have a chance with Dave C. I was dating this girl. beautiful. Yep. She went out with this blonde girl. She, was, she looked like Renee Zellweger, but I, I think, honestly, she was prettier. And I was like 30, so I was happy, you know. And we were going, you know, we were seeing each other for like, I don't know, maybe almost three months. Not not all that long. What happened was we went out to a dinner, and I had chicken. I forgot what she had. Well, a day or two later, and I only saw her on the weekends at this time because I'm at the shift I was working, because she had school and I had work, and I was a casino worker. So I got really, really sick. It was coming out of both ends for like freaking two hours. It was so bad that I had to go to the hospital. Now, I go into this hospital, and they are doing all this stuff to me. They're, they're, they're shoving stuff down my throat and um, up my nose to go down my throat. It was a really scary freaking time. It was awful. The shit they were doing, they were probing me every which way. I didn't know. They were talking about maybe cancer, maybe Crohn's disease. They don't know. It could be many different things. And I've always had a sensitive stomach, so I'm like, oh, fuck. Here I go. Well, the horror of it, that is the horror right there. It's, I ended up being okay, of course. Here I am. I just got poisoned from the chicken, which is food poisoning. But the worst part of it all, well, maybe not the worst part, but a bad part of it was that this girl decided at that time that she was going to break up with me. <laughs> so she didn't even come to see me in the hospital when I was in my oh, hospital. Oh, oh. That's what bratty 19-year-olds kind of That's why you don't date them, Dave. I actually asked her out because she was working at Sears when I went to go mattress shopping, and that's how I met her. And she was, well, I have a boyfriend, but I have a girlfriend I can, you know, introduce you to. So that's how they began. But that to me is a really bad horror story because I was food poisoned. I was out for three days. It was really bad. Fever, sickness, everything scary. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't have got instantly. She's going to blow me off and not even visit me in the hospital. So anyway, that's about all I have to say. I've taken up way too much fucking time. I love every (laughs) one of you guys, girls. And um, thank you for the show. It's one that I look forward You're to. Welcome. Is so you know how much I, I love the show. And um, sorry it took up so much time. If you okay. cut this thing in half, I completely understand. It's enough. This is his shit. way of being a co-host. Anyway, he's yeah. basically well, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's fun. I feel like he was actually here, and I like didn't want to interrupt. Yeah. Him. Like then I was like, yeah. wait, he's not really here. He, he paused. <laughs> yeah. So, I love yeah. Dave's ability to storytell, though. He is the one person I can listen to a 10-minute voicemail and actually picture what he's saying. Yeah. Right. Like, I can yeah. envision what he says. And the Dave, shit and vomit coming out of him at the same clear, time. Never thought that about you. I don't think Dave's a pervert at well, all. Well, like, so he says he has, like, a bad memory, but I'm wondering, like, did he take notes on our show? Because he remembered a lot. Right. right. Like, right. I didn't remember half of it. Dave has a terrible well, memory. I'm, He's I'm my guessing bro, he did but... that right after he listened to it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was fresh in his brain, I'll guarantee you. I even sent Becca a message the other day where I said, I love Dave so much, he's my brother, but 
he has a memory of a goldfish. Like he really does. <laughs> Bless his heart, but he'll admit it. That's the thing. He knows. Yeah, except for when it comes, when it comes to movies. So yeah. is Dave well, like Dory from Finding Dory and yeah. Finding Nemo? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to see the movie that he made about the snakes. Oh my god, I it's yeah, it's so cute. Um it, <laughs> the my favorite parts are because you can actually hear him directing his little brother. Uh like he'll be like, Okay, go ahead and go down the slide. Go down the slide. Go down the Oh no, it's a snake. And, and then oh there's a scene where there's a little boy, I think it might be his cousin, but I'm not sure, but a little blonde boy is laying on the ground with this rubber snake wrapped around him. And he's he's supposed to be being attacked by this snake. It's I mean, it's just I thought it was adorable because he was like thirteen when he made it. And <laughs> uh, there's actually a really competent stop motion scene that yeah. for a 13 year old I thought it was really impressive and so I'm like that was not bad it was it was cute it was really cute see little hear little Dave his little voice his, his little <laughs> baby voice it was adorable <laughs> well that concludes fan mail you guys and with that we are going to get into our girl talk talk it Ugh. Girl talk, talk big. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Um, I love your horn. Well, Carla already went. <laughs> no, she has to do a different story. Um, the oh, no. I, the topic that I chose this time, because, you know, uh, a lot of these films that we talk about have, like, final girls. And, you know, Rebecca, your handle is even the not-so-quite-final girl, right? The not-quite-final girl, oh, yeah. I was close. Um, sorry. <laughs> We're always kind of curious if we would actually survive like a horror movie. So I thought about like, let's think about situations that we have put ourselves into in our lives uh, that, you know, we probably should have died or, or something <laughs> had it not been for luck on our side, perhaps. Um, so the topic is the most dangerous situation that you've ever put in yourself into. And Jamie, since you are our guest this time, we're going to start with you. Oh, man. I don't, I don't tend to put myself in dangerous situations. I tried to, well, when I was a kid, I did a lot of stupid shit, but I guess probably the only thing I can think of is um, back when I lived in Athens and I threw darts on a team, we would have our matches, you know, at night at bars, you know, and frequently by the time the match was over, it would be like two o'clock in the morning and I'd be heading back to my car. But everything is closed at that point. There's really nobody walking around downtown except the people who were the stragglers who were leaving. And so <laughs> we had a couple of crazy people who would just wander the streets of Athens sometimes. And the thinking back, I'm like, why was I walking to my car by myself? I, I probably shouldn't have done that. But when it got to the point where we got everyone had cell phones, I would just walk around and pretend like I was talking to someone, even if I didn't have someone to talk to. So just so people that. wouldn't so people wouldn't mess <laughs> yep. with me. I'm like, just. And so one time this lady was coming at me and she's just like coming like straight for me, like head down, heading for me. Like she's not going to I mean, it looked like she was going to ram me or something. So I was like, what the f what, what are you doing? Is what I was thinking. Like, what are, what are you going to do? So I was just like, hi. And she's walking by, just kind of diffuse the situation. And she's like, yeah, fuck you. And I'm like, oh, 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 
all right. You know, and then I just kind of ran to my car because I'm like, what this crazy bitch going to do? Guys, I'm sorry. I just don't have anything dangerous. I don't do I don't. That sounds dangerous enough to me. You got drunk college kids going around because you're talking about Athens, Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it okay. was potentially it was potentially dangerous, but nothing ever happened. You know, I don't. I well, don't. but that's that's the thing. It doesn't just because nothing happened doesn't mean that nothing could happen. Bottom line is, Jamie, you are surviving the horror movie. So you're yeah, final basically. girl. Yeah. That's what we've learned today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yay. Well, and you know why? Because I'm mindful of the situation. That's, right. And as John Carpenter always said, the final girl is typically the final girl just because they pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> yep. See? Yeah. That's you. Well, see, and I, 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 too, pretend like I'm on my phone. If I feel like I'm in a situation, I'm, like, looking around and I'm, like, ooh, dude. I'll just, like, actually, like, yeah, I'll just put my phone up to my ear like an idiot. No, I mean, I feel like people will be less likely to mess with you if they think that someone else could call the cops or something. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Well, yeah, and being approached by crazy people is pretty dangerous because you don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, Nikki, why don't we go next to you? Okay, so when I was younger, I I did do a lot of stupid stuff. Um. One thing in particular that stands out that, I, I mean, I feel looking back on it now, it was pretty dangerous, but I asked a friend to go downtown with me because there was a guy that I liked. We were meeting up with him and one of his friends. So we partied all night downtown. We got really, really drunk and we made the decision to drive home. None of us really had. Um, we, none of us were sober enough to, dr or to drive. And the guy who owned the car, he goes, oh, I can do this. We're, we're going to be fine. And we just all believed him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so this guy who was, I think he was the most drunk out of all of us, to be honest. He started driving us home. We literally did not even get like one minute to the street. We were pulled over by a police officer. Oh, so the most, the most dangerous part of this whole story was probably the fact that we were saved from not driving home completely drunk. But the dot or the the police officer, he knocked on the window or whatever and had all of us get out of the car. And he goes, well, it doesn't appear that any of you can drive. And we were all kind of like toughening up a little bit going, yeah, we can. We're not we didn't drink that much. He goes, OK, well, if you all blow below the legal limit, I'll let you all go. <laughs> and so everybody else above me, they like seriously had way high alcohol limits but I was doing my best to compose myself because when I when I've been drinking I actually can pull off that I am sober even when I am not <laughs> and the police officer came over to me and he goes well it looks like you're like the final hope here so um he had me blow into the the breathalyzer and the police officer he like as it was like <laughs> climbing, he like had like a panic attack, like right in front of me. He didn't react this way to anybody else. He goes, oh my God, it's 0.19 and climbing. None of you can drive. And he just like had this like big freak out. 
And I don't know how we managed to make it out of this situation without like all getting fined and like having to be ticketed, but the car was impounded and we just called people to come and pick us up. It, we were really, really lucky. <laughs> so you're lucky man. that cop was like, cool. He could have all been yeah. arrested. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> instead, he was actually concerned about you guys. Is what yeah. was like instead of being a dick. Yeah, he yeah. was. So very lucky. I remember that story. I was waiting for an <laughs> I know what you did last summer type of thing. Yes. And, yes. and then I hit a somebody. <laughs> That's probably yeah. where it was going to go before the cop saved us all. Right, yeah. yeah no shit. Uh, Heather. Oh, I'm ready. All right. So I was actually thinking about this. And besides the time I almost died on this podcast because I disagreed with Lacey. Um, <laughs> That is the most dangerous thing that anyone can put themselves in. Hey! I'm just kidding, Lacey. I'm just kidding. You guys are assholes. Um, oh, no, I love you, Lacey. I only tease because I love like you. you. Um, so anyway, when I was 18, my 18th birthday, my uh, I had friends that were a little bit older than me. And she had a sister that was older than her. So we go to this her house, which is in a shady part of a place called Hamilton, Ontario. And we're chilling or whatever. And there's like tons of drinking we're underage drinking because we're 18 the drinking age here is 19 smoking pot which isn't legal at the time and among other drugs that were there i wasn't doing the other drugs but there was a variety to choose from so anyway this chick had a, a neighbor and i guess the guy had beat up his girlfriend and she went upstairs and kicked the shit out of this guy like i'm talking like threw him down the fucking stairs and um he leaves shows back up with a fucking gang they break into the house with baseball bats. Um, we're all partying. I'm sitting in the kitchen talking to my buddy, probably smoking a joint. And these fucking gang, like, they thought they were gang members, walked in with, like, a baseball bat. And, like, the first three guys were, like, super angry and shit. But then you got to, like, the back of the line, and there was a guy there with his girlfriend. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, they were all just there. And they're like, where's that bitch? We want to beat her up. And I'm like, oh, fuck. The cops are going to get called. There's tons of illegal shit here. Like, I have a good time on the weekend, but I, I wanted to, like, not get charged or go to jail or anything like that. So me and my friends fucking booked it. And there was a couple of us that were sober enough. And we ran into our cars. And as we're running out the side of the alley, I see my friend's sister, who had beat up the guy earlier, come down to the two main leader guys that were outside and she's like come on fucking hit me and they're both like terrified so one guy runs at her and she takes him flips him over and slams him on the hood of a car i kid you not she was a she was a very strong larger woman and i was like we need to get the fuck (laughs) now so anyway that was probably my most eventful birthday and uh we went to a field and continued to drink after that and then talked about our harrowing escape but that was just more of a I really could have fucked up my future if the cops had showed up there I was drunk I was high on pot there was a variety of other shit there um and I'm just lucky that didn't happen so yeah oh wow I know surprising you wouldn't see that coming from a basic bitch like me but oh right and we got layers (laughs) (laughs) you've grown into your basicness Mm. I've um, calmed down. Uh, for me, I'm like debating between like three stories. Um, <laughs> I put myself in dangerous situations a lot. Um, I could either go with my arrest story, the prostitute story, 
yeah. or, or something really stupid when I was a kid. Which one okay. do you guys want to hear? I like prostitute. Yeah, I'm down with prostitute. <laughs> I agree. I don't think I've heard this one, Lacey. You haven't heard the prostitute story? Okay. All right. So this was like, oh God, I was like 18. So it was like right after like graduation and um, I picked up a few of my friends and I was one of those people like, I would say that this is a learning experience, you guys, right? So um, I picked up my friends, but I was one of those people that would always take my car down all the way to E. And I was just like, you know what? I'm picking my friends up. They can pay to put gas in my car. You know, um, it was one of those situations if I have to drive. And so, uh, so we stopped at this gas station to fill up and there was this prostitute, this, um, lady, she was, um, and she, you know, was clearly on drugs. She had like the white lip thing, you know, like pretty much like Dave Chappelle, like, I smoke rocks. I mean, like, it, literally, it looked like that. But she was, like, solicitating, uh, solicit, is that right? Solicitating? Is that the right Yeah, solicitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, outside of this gas station. And, like, nobody was, like, coming near her. Like, this chick was just crazy, right? And so my friend goes in. I'm pumping the gas. My friend went in to go pay for it. Like, we have a car with, so it was, like, four of us, right? So two in the backseat one and then me driving and then my friend of the passenger side so i'm pumping gas and like i see this uh this prostitute go in and she starts talking to my friend and i was just like oh god oh god like and i'm trying to like pump fast but like you can't make the gas pump pump any faster you know and all of a sudden um i see like kelly uh, my friend she just like darts out and like hurries up and gets into the car and closes the door I was, and all of a sudden, this prostitute is coming walking towards me, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Like, I'm, like, looking around, like, trying to avoid all eye contact, and she comes, like, directly up next to me and goes, like, around me, like, just, like, walked past me and hops in my fucking car. Oh, God. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, I shit you not. I shit you not. <laughs> how much like what are we oh my god no so I was like um what's happening (laughs) like I mean you gotta think this is like circa like 2006 2007 era um god and I don't even know if I had a cell phone at this time I don't think so um so I like I'm like sitting there like and now I want the gas to like pump even slower because I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the situation of this bitch who's in my car and like I had two friends in the back seat you know as well and like um so I come across the window and like I ask her to roll down the back window because I had it wasn't electric windows at this point in time it was the kids these days will never know the joy of having to roll down the window (laughs) um I still have one of those cars at my work they're so out It, it it's very inconvenient, yes. Right. And so I was like, like I did the like rolling of the window hand motion down and like she's just like ignoring me. Like so I have to go open my driver's side door. I was like, um, can I help you? And she was like, Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, What? She goes, Yeah. Um, she's like, your friend, old girl over here told me you gonna give me a ride. 
and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean a ride? <laughs> you know? And she's like, yeah, it's just, it's just like two minutes down the road. I just, my, my dogs are barking. I'm tired. Like, girl, you can help us out, right? Like, I, this is no exaggeration. I hate no people. exaggeration. <laughs> and so I was just like, I was like, Kelly, did you tell her I was going to give her a ride? Like, I like looked dead at her and she was like, and Kelly's like avoiding all eye contact with me. Uh, she was just like, she was like, I don't know. She just got in the fucking car. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, we're going to be late to something. You, I, I don't have time to do this, you know? And she was just like, ah, oh, come on. You'll be my beautiful princesses. You'll be my saviors. And I was like, fuck, what do I do? And like, Nobody was around to help, like, so I just hopped in my car, and I was just like, okay, I was like, you said it's like two minutes down the road, and she was like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) so, so, um, I was like, oh, God, I need a cigarette, I need a cigarette, like, I'm freaking the fuck out, right, um, so, like, I light myself a cigarette, she was like, hey, baby, can I have one of those? (laughs) And I was like, sure, you know, like, why the fuck not? So I give her a cigarette and like, so we're going down the road and like, obviously it's longer than two minutes as you guys can assume. So we're driving down the road and, you know, I'm smoking my cigarette and next thing we know, like, and she's just talking up a storm back there, you know, cause obviously like she's high and whatnot and she's talking up a storm and all of a sudden like you can just smell like something, like something like really is wretched and so I was like god what is that smell and like and yeah everybody was like yeah what is that smell and she was like ah she's like and she like kicks like the back of my chair she was like ah stop it girl you farted and I was like excuse me and she's like you need some beano (laughs) (laughs) is telling me I farted and that I need some beano Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. I was like, okay, where is this fucking place? So she takes us to like the crack part of town, which is, <laughs> it's like a 15, 20 minute drive actually. Oh, and so the story doesn't end here. So like, she's like making friends with my two friends in the back seat, apparently, because they're idiots. And <laughs> she was telling them that she's going to get them some weed. So like, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, well, I'll give you some weed for, uh, I'll get you some weed for, uh, you know, taking me this far. And, like, I, like, I didn't want to do it. And, like, like I get really sketchy driving through creepy parts of town. But, like, I think my friends would get me killed. I swear to God. Like, I don't think it's me. I think it would have been my friends. <laughs> um, so I take her. And my friends get out of the car as soon as, like, we get to where we're going. And it's, oh like, this God. really run down, like, apartment complex. Like really run down and like you know people are making deals left and right like it's just really really sketchy right and so I didn't want to like leave my friends and you know to go in by themselves so I go with them and I don't know so she's like knocking on random people's doors she's like no this isn't the right one this isn't the right one (laughs) and so (laughs) she knocks on a door and nobody's answering and this lady with like a cleaning basket and like curlers in her hair come out and she's like, she was like, hey, is Pedro in there? And she's like, and she was like, no, Pedro. She goes, Pedro is not in here. And like slams the door. And she's like, man, that lady's lying. She's probably sucking Pedro's dick. 
Like, oh, did you get this lady's number? I want to meet her now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Heather. She's probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Oh, so, why are you ruining it, Rebecca? I was just like, I was like, okay, I was like, guys, I'm done, I'm done, and I was like, all right, we t- we've taken you here, we're gonna go now, and so like then we just book it to the car, and as we're getting in the car, and I I, I turn it on, my friend in the backseat, she's like, uh, Lacey, I think I figured out what was smelling, um, that bitch from the cigarette that I gave her burnt a hole in the backseat of my car cushion. Oh, that was oh, it could have been so much worse, though. Ah, so that was pretty bad enough. But yeah, that's that's my danger horror story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Lisa, are you driving to Chicago Days of the Dead? Will you I, be driving to that if you go? Uh, yes. Yes. Because I'm going to reenact this with you oh when I. Oh. Can <laughs> <laughs> I get a ride? <laughs> She's probably sucking Pedro's dick. <laughs> Still learning new oh, things man. about you, Lacey. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Kelly can vouch that that is a 100% true story. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> All right, Carla, the time has come for your next dangerous story. Okay. I was going to tell a road rage story, but for one, I feel like I've already... I, I've told the story on his and hers, and two, I've already made myself look like a crazy person earlier on the show with that other story. So I'm going to tell like a rapey type of story. Oh, um, great. <laughs> not yeah, quite. Fire children. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an uncomfortable thing, and it was very much me putting myself in a bad situation because I'm an idiot. But basically, when I worked, at, I may have told this on his and hers a long time ago too, but if I did, it was like a long, long time ago. But anyway, no one, this show is more important. Um, (laughs) When I worked at the hotel, um, you know, the good old Hampton Inn, where just, I met JP and everything. Um, Probably when I was like 20, this happened. Um, There was a guy there. He worked there for about three or four years along with me. And he had a big crush on me. Um, He was very weird though. And at the time it's like, I was 18 and he was like 29 going on 30, which, you know, no, no knock on age differences, but it just felt weird to me because I just was straight out of high school and this guy's like almost 30 and don't knock on that. that Daisy will come for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now it wouldn't matter, but like then it was like, I was a baby. What are you doing? But Anyway, the guy was, he was just crazy. You, you'd have to meet this guy. JP and I always try to describe him, but you would actually have to meet him to see what we mean. Um, he was just really weird, very soft-spoken, very quiet. Um, one of those people were jokes, like, went over his head, so he wasn't that fun to, like, really be around. He didn't, like, he just didn't understand anything that well, but... Uh, he liked me, and I was—I've always been a very nice person. I still struggle with this, where I'm too nice to people, and then they don't get the hints, and then they, you know, think something is more than what it is, and then I have to be a bitch, and I still have that issue where I just don't want to be mean or let anyone down. So you know, I kind of—I felt like I probably let him on a good bit uh, by accident, and um, you know. Things kind of progressed, and then one day he cornered me in, like, the maintenance closet at work, and he asked, he said he wanted to give me <clears throat> oral pleasure. 
And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know about that. And he's just like, he was like, I just, I, I, I want to thank you for being so nice to me and all this. Oh my god! <laughs> so, I don't even like telling this, but and I was like, uh, to thank you for being a good person. Is that basically what he was saying, Carly? Pretty much, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, most guys would be like, would you suck my dick? But instead, he wanted to like do that to me, essentially, and. I, I, again, I just got really nervous and I was like, ah, okay, if that would make you feel better and not with, not with no intention of actually doing it. And he's like, he's like, okay, you can get up on the table then. And I was like, what, what? No, I didn't mean like here at work, dude. What do you mean? Like <laughs> he wanted me to get up on the desk in the maintenance closet in the basement at the hotel. And he was going to perform this action and I was like no no not I didn't mean like right now I meant like later so then I didn't go to the basement at all the rest of that day and I think that weekend um JP and I had that all-night drive-in that we go to it was like in September and um him and I went there and we had invited this guy and uh our other friend because they were all you know we were we were friends with this guy so whatever and um Dude ended up coming separately uh, later on in the night, and then we weren't really feeling the movie, so we were like, hey, let's go back to my place, and this guy had, um, he had weed, so, you know, that was his, he, he thought, he, like, went through this phase where he was like, oh, Carly likes weed, so I'm gonna, like, <laughs> <laughs> have weed. weed on me at all times. Yeah, and... So I was like, okay, whatever, and JP and I drive back to my apartment, this guy follows us, and we go to my place and we smoked the weed. That was like the highest I ever got at that point. Um, cause I actually smoked it the right way. I'd smoked a few times beforehand, but never really felt much cause I wasn't inhaling it enough or whatever, but I got really high. JP got really high. This dude, I, I, leg- I think got high too. And we sat on my couch, we had the lights off and no TV on. And we just sat there and we're all like dead on the couch for probably two hours. And I knew this guy wanted JP to leave like really bad so that we could, you know, do this, this deal that I accidentally worked out <laughs> with him earlier in the week. And um, I was just really nervous. I told JP what had happened. Um, I think that the day of, I was like, you know, this happened and it freaks me out. And, you know, of course he thought that was hilarious because he's JP, but I was like, no, it sucks. And then, so we're sitting there and JP uh, was smart enough to know that dude wanted him to leave. And dude was making it really obvious too. I don't want to say his name. So I'm just calling him dude, but he was just like, he was like, oh, you know, I don't want to hold you up, like talking to JP because JP wanted to go home. Like he lived kind of far away and he was tired and high. And he was like, I just want to like go home and go to sleep. It was like going on 4 a.m. at that point. But this guy kept saying like, oh, well, you know, I'm still like too high. I don't really want to leave yet. And then basically like JP was like, I got to go home. And then he's going to the door and then he's like, dude, if you don't feel good, just like sit in your car for a little bit. And he's like, oh, well, blah, blah. and I just finally was like, can you guys please just go home? And JP was like, you see, Carly wants us to leave. Like, she's giving us the hints. And I just flat out was like, yeah, can you guys please leave? And I wasn't trying to be mean to JP, but I'm just like, yeah, get out of my house. And then so they go to the car and then that dude's in his car. And I'm looking out my blinds and he's still sitting in his car for like a long period of time. And he's like. 
then he starts texting me about the whole situation and I was like listen I just got I was uncomfortable I I can't go through with this like I didn't actually want to do that with you I'm just not really into you like I so it wouldn't be that pleasurable for me and uh you know he was he called me a tease and all this stuff and it was just it was scary because he wasn't leaving and then finally I gave I forget what all was said but he finally drove away but that guy was horrible and then he tried to get us all fired about a year later and then he ended up quitting and then I never saw him again so that was Kind of my long-winded, almost getting rape <laughs> story, and JP kind of saved the day because he your knew hero? what was going to happen. Yeah. Yay, JP. Yeah. You know, I get you, though. I have, God, it happens all the time if you're nice to people, yeah. and I have this issue where I'm, I'm really nice. And then when I was, like, 22, I ended up getting a stalker because, oh. and he was, like, 44 and See, this is a dangerous story. I know. Well, Jamie. I actually didn't yeah. think about that until she brought up her story. But actually, yeah, this was actually really scary. Um, he would follow me around town. Um, like he knew where I lived. He would call me and tell me he was coming over to my house. And I mean, just, I mean, yeah. So I guess that was it. But I didn't put myself. I guess I. That's did what I was gonna say. That's I'd the difference nice, there. You, you did know? not put yourself in that situation yeah. at all. No, he was just yeah. <laughs> crazy. But. but- but no, it is a really big thing. Like I know that a lot of guys, like you, if they'll try to talk to you online or whatever, and then you're like, you know, you get, you throw them a bone and you go back and forth in like two messages and then they start getting weird or send you a dick pic or whatever. And then you're like, okay, I'm out. And they're like, well, she's a bitch. She must be a, she must be a dyke. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. She's, she's yeah. ugly oh, anyway. Yeah. I don't even know why. It's yeah. called toxic God. masculinity. Yeah. That's what it's it's so called. It's Walking like... down the street, the guy's like, hey, baby, let me give you a ride. And then you're like, no, thanks. I'm good. And they're like, well, bitch, you're ugly anyway. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. So like, you wanted like, you wanted me to get in your car. I guess I wasn't <laughs> ugly then. Yeah. The only so... man is only sexual beings, right? Dudes that do that, do that shit. And we're not yeah. there just to be sexual beings for them. It's consensual. <laughs> Well, (laughs) but it is, it is weird that like, you know, as I've gotten older, I've become like more standoffish and not like not as willing to be nice to my fellow humans because of that crap. And then you look like a bitch and that's what, yeah. Like I hate having that reputation. I like to be the nice, sweet girl, but then it's like, then it all builds up and then I become Satan on people because I let it get to that point. So it's like, you really do have to just tell people straight up like, Hey, I'm not into you just so you know, but sometimes they don't even, they just like are talking to you like, Hey, what's up type of stuff. And they don't even allude to the fact that they like you until out of nowhere, they'll say something. And then they're still mad that you, they're like, well, you let me on. And I'm like, I was just talking to you. No, I, yeah. And that's the other thing too. There are so many guys who cannot, understand that just because a woman talks to them does not mean that they want in their pants yeah I I had a guy when I I used to work at a convenience store back in the 90s and I had a guy right there is that right there is a danger story no that's that's true true. yeah that whole setup uh but he used to come in all the time and I was nice to him because it's my job you know and I'm just Mm -hmm. you know I was just being nice but I would do his transaction and then he would leave or whatever and then one day he came in and he is like you got some, what did he say? Oh my God. Oh, you got some sexy eyes and some creamy thighs as he's oh, like looking, looking over the counter at, and I was wearing shorts. It was in the summertime, like, don't, but they don't weren't like creamy thighs. They weren't like short shorts. They were just, you know, shorts. And then, and I was like, um, I was like, okay, that's, that's really not appropriate. And he goes, 
why you look me in my eye like that? And I'm like, <laughs> um, I tend to look people in the eye when I talk to them. I mean, what do you, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. Right. What, because I look <laughs> at you when I talk to you, then I'm hitting on you. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh-huh. Yeah, and then there's like the instances where you are up front and then they still don't get the hint. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it always I call it like the Ralph Wiggins syndrome. I don't know if any of you guys remember this episode of The Simpsons, but like they're giving out Valentines, you know, they're trading Valentines in the classroom and like Ralph doesn't get any. And so Lisa looks over and she feels sorry for him, compassion for him as a human being. So she like scrawls on one. It's like a train says, you choo choo choose me and gives it to him. <laughs> and like then he thinks they're dating. And I'm like, this is the Internet today. <laughs> it's like Bobby from Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Yeah, yeah. You know, the big dorky dude that mm-hmm. was thinking Angel was going to put out for him. Yeah. The one that was tied to the tree and got his arm yes. ripped off. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps up our girl talk topic. Hopefully you listeners enjoyed some of that there of our danger zones. And no, I don't mean that to be perverted. All right. So we're going to Nikki in- tell a story. Did I? Yeah. About her drunk. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, or driving. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I didn't so tell. Sorry. I didn't tell one, but they're they're all lame compared. Oh, so. did I not ask you, Rebecca? I didn't think Rebecca did. Oh Jesus! No, I'm sorry. No, no. All my oh, stories Rebecca. are kind of all no, the stories no. that I went through in my head are lame, but no. So anyway. anything, my basically my 16 to 18 year old self, pretty much could you know that just those two years of my life could fall into this, but I did. Um, I so when I was 18, right after I graduated high school, I like packed all my shit up and I flew up to Alaska to live. Had nowhere. I I had a pretty decent idea of what I was doing. Um, And that's not even the dumbest thing. Um, So I would fly back for Christmas every once in a while, like, you know, maybe twice, I think. So I would have been like 19. And the only way to get a really cheap ticket from Fairbanks to Indianapolis is to fly through Seattle and then be in Seattle overnight and then fly out the next morning. And, you know, cause I'm a Brooke college student. So there were two times at least that I could remember that I had, you know, I would check all or not check anything. I just take my carry on, had like my big duffel bag. And um, so I would get off the plane, be like 1130 in Seattle, take my bag. And like, I actually slept in the airport, like in the lobby part of the airport and they would let you which is this is the 90s so it's a little different and I would sleep on my bag so that you know in case somebody tried to steal my shit and yeah I think that's probably uh probably the dumbest thing I ever did (laughs) (laughs) the the moving to Alaska part is the dumbest part because it's cold up there yeah but it's cool (laughs) it's cool (laughs) All right, guys. And with that, that wraps up our Girl Talk topic. So we are going to get into our game. And this time it is called the five second rule uncensored. Ooh. Do we have any volunteers? (laughs) It's explicit. I know the funny story is uh, when we're having trouble, people were having trouble uh, finding us on Apple. Um, Rebecca sends me a thing. She's like, are you aware <laughs> that it says that this is a clean episode? I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I've marked them specifically explicit. I don't know why it's coming up that way. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's definitely not a clean, clean show, is it? <laughs> no. <Mm-mm. laughs> Do we have any volunteers for who wants to go first for this five second rule? I'll go first. Oh, I like volunteers. All right, so this is how this game is going to work, guys. So I'm going to ask you um, to name three things uh, with a topic. And once you hear this, that means go. <laughs> okay. And then I'll tell you when your five seconds is up. All right. Based off of how these balls are rolling. That's really weird. Ah, okay. I think I figured it out. Okay. <clears throat> so, Heather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Name three ways to have an orgasm. <laughs> Masturbation, sex, oral sex. Oh, she got a point, folks. Fuck yeah, I did. It's sex. Oh, yeah. I know right. that shit. <laughs> Balls. Jizz. <laughs> Thank you, Lacey, for asking me something I know. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go with Jamie. You ready? Hit me. All right. Name three TV shows that need more sex. All of them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, that's five seconds. I could. <laughs> all of them. I agree with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Good call, Jamie. You're right. All right. All right, Carly. Okay. Ready? Uh, name three hot older people. Um. Uh. uh um. Uh. Tom Matthews. Um. Um. I don't you even think he's one. hot. I don't even think he's hot. <laughs> I think I don't know why. I just met him and he was like Wilford not attractive Kremlin. at all. Right, but he's in the forefront of your life. You, you literally could have just named anyone. I know. <laughs> like, I know. Bill, John, and Joe. Okay, I know him. <laughs> yeah. All right, go on. All right, Nikki. Can you name name three attractive qualities in a person? Smile, hair, clothes. Oh, she got it. And Nikki. Yes. All right. So Heather and Nikki both have a point. All Who's right. keeping score? Nobody? Okay. You are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll keep score since I'm not playing this one. So I don't have anybody to run the timer for me. One, Heather. two, three, four, five. Now it would be fixed. Unless I, I could bring Dan up here to ask me, but... We don't allow boys at our slumber party unless it's Dave Z on the phone. Unless unless he's sent in a recording, yeah. All right. All right. So Rebecca's next. <clears throat> Rebecca, name three lies you tell a one-night stand. I like you. You were good. And I'll see you later. <laughs> good. <Yeah>. Boom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> one, one, one. All right. Okay, <clears throat> and then we circle back to Heather, right? All right, hit me. All right, Heather, name three things you pop. Uh, bubbles, uh, popper things, and popcorn. Like popper, like the on plastic. You got it. Yeah, fuck yeah. I instantly <laughs> thought of pills first. <laughs> not, not in that <laughs> it could be pills, for yeah. sure. Hmm. Uh, is it Nikki next? Yeah. Uh, isn't it Jamie? I think it's Jamie. Oh, Jamie, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, damn, okay. <laughs> Jamie, 
Name three nicknames for urination. Piss, pee, tinkle. Oh, there you go. <laughs> she got it. Um, she goes, piss. <laughs> she went, like, from, like, most adult to, like, childish. <laughs> <laughs> I was reverting back in age while I was doing it. Yeah. Piss, pee, tinkle. <laughs> All right. All right. Nikki. Mm-hmm. Name three bad ideas for a password. One, two, three, four, A, and C. I don't know. <laughs> well, you gave three answers. That one kind of sucks, sucks, though, because it's hard to say all those things in five seconds. You uh-huh. know, because you just like, one, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, one, two, three, you know? Uh-huh. Like, because you're saying one, two, three, four, five, that's the five seconds. It's done. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right, Carly. Okay. Name three places you find prostitutes. <laughs> Lacey the car. streets. Lacey's yes. car. Um, <laughs> the mall. <laughs> I had, that would have been disappointing if I didn't say that. Oh, oh yeah. well, I think I gave you a lamp on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> all right, Rebecca. Uh, name three things you smoke. Weed, cigarettes, and brisket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got creative there. That was nice. Wow. I like it. <laughs> all right, Heather. All right. <laughs> name three lesbians. Um, Ellen, her wife. And, um, I don't know. (laughs) Her ex-wife. Yeah, ex-wife. Whatever. Wait, they they broke up? She and Portia de Rossi broke up? No, they're still together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still together. It was uh, Anne Hayes she was with for you. Oh, long time ago, right. Uh, Maybe they weren't married. We're talking about two different Okay. I think. I don't know. I don't care about Ellen's life. <laughs> All right, Jamie. I don't care about Ellen's life. I don't care about you, Ellen. <laughs> All right, Jamie. Name three things you can't resist. Chocolate. Booze. Sex. We'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With Brian. Like, <laughs> not <laughs> 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 She didn't have time to put that in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nikki. (laughs) Name three cures for a hangover. Uh, Fast food, more booze, and... uh, No. (laughs) Tylenol. Time. Please. (laughs) Time. All right. Getting uh, re-drunk also helps. <laughs> As a callback to last episode. Is it Carly or Rebecca next? Uh, uh, me. Okay. All right, Carla. Name three celebrities caught naked. Um, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, we don't have time to look it up, so we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Okay. It confident. seems... Seems real. <laughs> All right, Rebecca, this should be up your alley, girl. All right. Name three sex toys. Uh, vibrator, dildo, and anal beads. 
<laughs> is it because you like can hear like the spinning beads going down? The I know. <laughs> can I, do I get, can like I this... say more? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that noise. All right. <clears throat> Heather. All right. I, this just like worked out perfectly. I think it really did. I mean, I know you don't use them, but all right. Name three places you stash condoms. Your drawer, your girlfriend's house, your boyfriend's house. <laughs> I've held on to condoms for my girlfriends, so that's a fucking thing. And you've also told corporate. your mom that you were that you were doing that when that's it was right. a lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Jamie. Name. No, it's, uh, it's. Oh no, it is Jamie. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, name three things to do in bed. Sleep, have sex. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that third one. That's all I use it for. <laughs> oh, I guess you could say watch TV, but I don't do that. <laughs> All right, Nikki. Mm -hmm. Name three things you would do on your wedding night. Have sex, dance, drink alcohol. I didn't get it in time. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to like cut you off because you were like in the middle of a thought. And I thought it would be rude, and I wanted to hear your third answer. <laughs> After I said the third answer, there was like a really long pause, so it was like a build up to whether I got it or not. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was trying to, you know, give the listeners a little mystery. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right, and it goes to Carly next. Mm -hmm. All right, Carly, name three things you can cover in chocolate. Uh, strawberries, pretzels, marshmallows. Oh, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grandma Slut. Yep. Name three sluts. Heather, Rebecca, yes. and uh, the prostitute. <laughs> we should start no. getting paid, though, Rebecca. Whoever that chick was that was sucking Pedro's dick. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> we actually have the proof. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Heather, name three things you don't want to find on your body. Um, um, a mole, uh, cancer, and someone's random hand. <laughs> someone's what? Someone's random hand. I was thinking of Carly oh. and her creepy <laughs> coworker. You did not get it in time. But they were funny. They were? <laughs> yeah. They were. I will give you that. All right, Nikki. Or Jamie. Jamie. Mm -hmm. Name three songs about sex. Uh, cherry pie. Like a virgin. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. I want your sex. Nikki. Name three male body parts. Penis, hand, and butt. I guess we'll accept it. <laughs> well, they didn't say it had to be male. Only. Specific. That's yeah. true. That's true. Okay, she'll get it. We got a four-way tie going on. Uh-oh. 
All right. <clears throat> Is that Carly? Yes. All right. Name three things that get stuck under your nails. Uh, dirt. Um, earwax. Uh, snot. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I like how I know more about you by getting that question. Um, <laughs> but you did not get it in time. I just embarrassed myself, but I didn't get a point. That's good. <laughs> All right, Rebecca. Name three reasons to ask for a separation. Uh, cheating, money, and you hate them. That works. Mm -hmm. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just hate them. All right, Heather. Name three things in a nightstand. Uh, alarm clock, lamp, and water. Glass of water. You put your alarm clock in your nightstand? <laughs> and I said on. Water. <laughs> I think no. said on. No, in. Oh. But I mean, yeah. I guess if like you're like just one your condoms, your boyfriend's condoms, and your girlfriend's condoms. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said on. Oh. Oh well. Should we give it to her or not, guys? I say yes. Yay. Yes. All right, Jamie. Name three ways to hide a fart. Uh, cough, sneeze, laugh. We will take it. Blame Lacey. going to keep coming back to me now, isn't it? The best story ever, Lacey, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting it to go there or that far or be that layered. I love it. <laughs> I should write a movie about that Lacey, night. I'm going to a party tonight and I'm going to be like, look, I know the coolest chick and I got to fucking tell you a story and I'm yeah. telling your story tonight. <laughs> Have at it. <laughs> um, is it Nikki next? <clears throat> Yes. Name three hair colors. Blonde, red, and black. Well, that was easy. All right. Carly. Mm -hmm. Name three experiences that are better when drunk. Uh, fighting, sex, and... Uh, oh, shit. Carly, Shitting. Were, oh. Shitting. That was my answer. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Carly, no, you were right up there with the girls here. Mm. <laughs> All right, Rebecca. Name three things a dog licks. His butt, the floor, your hand. Hopefully not in that order. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the game, guys, and we do have a winner. It's Rebecca, isn't it? Uh, with three points, we have... Jamie J. Sammons. Woo! With three points, we have Carlizzi. With four points, we have HDZ. <laughs> and we have, in, with four points, we have Nick Kizzle. Yes. Ooh. And that leaves our grand winner for this round of Girl Topic talk game five game. second rule <laughs> our resident grandma slot rebecca reinhardt <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Girl Talk segment. And when we come back, uh, do we have a treat for everybody for this special Friday the 13th episode? Um, we will be right back with Pillow Fight. You know, Vic, before I came here, I I never had anything to do, me being an orphan and all. People always uh, tease me about sitting around like some kind of pig or something. But here it's different. I can I can help others and do a lot of things. You know something? I really love it here. I hate it. You know, um, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I never really chopped wood before, but it certainly looks like fun. Leave me alone! Here, Vic, want a bite? Here, I'll just put it over here, and later on when you're hungry, you can have it. Well, if that's the way you feel, forget it, Vic. Just forget it. But I think you're really out of line. Stay here with us. It's not my style. Don't go out there! Fuck you. No. No, fuck you both! Thank <laughs> you. 
give her a shot. Deposits left, right atria. The heart appears to be filled with a black, viscous fluid. Frankly, I don't know what in hell it is. It's, it's just not blood.
are back with my favorite segment as always pillow fight and this one i'm actually really really excited about because we're doing something a little bit different than our normal formula uh this time everyone has been assigned a film um from the friday 13th franchise now it's not what you think we are actually doing the best of the worst not the best of the best but the best of the worst and our job is each person, each lady was assigned one of the worst Friday the 13th films, and they have to advocate for that movie. And two ladies will go head to head and so on and so forth. And even if they hate this movie, 
they cannot say that. They have to present their argument like this is the best fucking movie and why. <laughs> and these films are, as decided, uh, Friday the 13th, um, part five. What's the, I can't even remember the name of it right now. A New Beginning. beginning. A New Beginning, yes. <laughs> um, a New Beginning. And we decided to leave out part six, Jason Lives, because I think that was like a general consensus that it gets the Ripley Award out of the best of the worst. So part five, who got part five? These were randomly drawn, by the way. Yes. I, I must state that with strong, strong <laughs> conviction. They no, were. Rebecca's movie is her favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, so who, who got part five? I Heather. Heather, I okay. Yeah. And so Jason Lives, part six, is not in this rotation. Um, so yeah, so that, so... If you're wondering, that's why. Uh, next, we move on to Friday the 13th, Part 7. Is that New Blood? New Blood. New Blood. And that was assigned to Carla. Me. Yes. <laughs> and then we have Jason Takes Vancouver, Irene Manhattan. And that was assigned to Nikkei. Yes. And then... <laughs> I don't know why this one gives me so much pleasure because when I told her that this is the one that got assigned to her, her answer was fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Jason that goes to hell. And that was assigned to Jamie. <laughs> I would have traded you, Jamie, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, hey, we can't, we have to pretend we love that's you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like fuck is in fuck. That's so easy because yeah. my oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. that what that was? Yeah, okay. up. <laughs> and then we have Jason X, which I think we can assume by how this conversation is going was assigned <laughs> to. Rebecca! <laughs> and you're so happy about it. Yeah, no, I've got some, I've got some points. I've got some pros. And then uh, we decided to skip over Freddy versus Jason because it's not actually a Friday the 13th movie. So we went to the next one, which is 2009 Friday the 13th, the remake. And that was assigned to yours truly. So <laughs> now are you guys excited about this? Do we yeah. have a time yeah. limit on our opening uh, argument? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just present it how you feel fit. Um, I will draw out two names and they will go head to head with each other and then they will get to rebuttal and then we get to ask one question, um, whoever is not involved in the battle and that one question can either hinder or help whoever you ask it to. Um, if you think that they need help presenting their argument or you think they presented their argument too well, but you don't want that movie to go through. So it's up to you. Fair enough. And then they will get to go one more time to plead their case after that. And then we will take a vote. And then that movie will go through. And then the next two will do battle until we get to three battles. And then the final three will battle it out. And we'll, the remaining ladies will take the third one out of the mix. And then the remaining two, everybody will get a vote on which is actually the best out of those two. Fair enough, guys? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that made... A look of sense because I'm not sure it did, but we're gonna go with it. Yeah. All right. So drawing. Here we go. We have representing Jason takes Manhattan. Nikki. Hey. <laughs> 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 and 
for our second battle, we have, or not second battle, second person to battle Nikki is Friday Five, Heather Pal. Awesome. Round one, fight. Ding, ding. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So who would like to start? Should we vote on who starts or should you go like I think order it should of... be the order that you draw them. Yeah. 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 Seems okay. fair. fair enough. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Arguments in favor of Jason Takes Manhattan. And keep Direct... in mind, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Hang on. You just have to keep in mind that you are only battling part five right now. Yes. Okay, so if you if your movie moves on, you kind of want to save maybe some of your better arguments if you think you can take it. That's all. Moving on. All right. So, Jason Takes Manhattan, directed by Rob Hedden. The film follows a group of kids who just graduated from high school, and they go on a cruise to New York. Little do they know that Jason has just been resurrected this is my argument number one here by an anchor yes by an anchor in the very beginning of the film there is a young guy and his girlfriend on the boat and he they're like getting really intimate with each other in the beginning scene of the film and he goes hold on i gotta go put the anchor out so he goes out and he throws the anchor into the water and while he goes back into the uh, the room with his girlfriend. Jason gets resurrected by the cables being electrocuted with the anchor. And that's what brings Jason back to life. So Jason starts his rampage with these two young adolescents. And that after he kills these two, he moves on to the cruise ship that has all of these high school kids. And what is really cool about this is that this film represents Jason in all of his glory. And it also does have a very cool cameo from Stephen King's pen. The main actress, Rennie, she has a knack for writing, but yet she's also facing her fears in the sense that she has a very deep-rooted fear of water much like Jason does. So that's kind of like where they're connected here. And comparing this film to part five, part five, I, my main argument against part five is the thing that the killer wasn't even Jason. And it was kind of more paying homage to the other Friday the 13th films. And in Jason Takes Manhattan, it's like Jason in totality from beginning to end. So in comparison to part five, which I also thought the acting in Jason Takes Manhattan was much better, whereas in five it was more comedic and it felt silly in parts. It's still a fun film, not taken away from that any way whatsoever. I I appreciate every film that we are arguing today, and I think they all have something special about them in their own way. Um, but in regards to part five, Jason was not the main killer in part five. So I really felt that that took away from it. I thought the acting wasn't as on point as it could have been. Um, 
the, yeah, the acting in Jason Takes Manhattan can be a little off par as well. But I feel that this movie went different routes that the other films did not. Um, and like the kills were a little more, let's say, creative. Like I think this was the first time that I seen anyone get killed by a guitar. And also the music in Jason Takes Manhattan, it was it looks like somebody really took the time to create an original musical score. And I think that was a really cool element, not to mention that it takes place as they take the cruise to Manhattan, you get to see the Statue of Liberty. You get to see a lot of different really cool sites. And yeah, overall, that's my main argument for why Jason Takes Manhattan is better than part five. Respect, Nikki, respect. Respect um, to you, Heather. <laughs> but you know what, Nikki, you're wrong. And... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. So part five, uh, you know, we all know that part four was supposed to be the ending. So when you end, you need to have a new beginning. And first of all, this film explores the concept of post-traumatic stress syndrome right away. We expect what we would have happen to, you know, a little boy who fights a psychopath would definitely have some mental health issues. And we leave Crystal Lake in a method that makes sense. Instead of a boat in a lake that somehow makes it to the ocean, which still I'm not quite sure, even after watching the documentary Camp Crystal Lake or the Camp Crystal Lake memories, how that happened. Anyway, um, it makes sense here. You know, Tommy is older. He's been in a variety of treatment centers. He's now gone to this kind of halfway house, um, kind of in like a farmland area. And you still have a whole bunch of lovable characters. You have the, the youth that are living at this home, along with the two supportive adults. You also have Ethel and Junior who are just comedic relief throughout the entire thing. And you have lots of red herrings. Uh, we start off with a very kind of tragic, violent death that occurs. And if you've seen the movie more than once, you can pick up on things. And that's the best thing about this movie. Um, after you watch it the first time and you go back and watch it again and you watch characters' reactions, uh, such as one of the paramedics, you begin to understand what you may have missed. And that's some really good storytelling, that when you can go back and want to watch a movie a second time, you know, once you watch Jason Manhattan once, it's Jason the entire time. And this, they, they make you wonder, is it in Tommy's head? Is it somebody else and i think that's really good storytelling you have some awesome sex scenes uh eddie and tina having sex in the water and you know for some reason eddie, eddie wanting to skip stones instead of go back to the girl he just banged fits with friday the 13th logic so you had a lot of natural stuff that moved over from the other movies that built into this one you had reggie the reckless who is a very likable kid um, you have the famous enchiladas, Dan enchiladas scene in the outhouse. So you have the inclusion of all these different characters that are likable and some really awesome kill scenes. So there's a scene with Eddie and Tina, how she dies. There's also the scene where the poor guy tries to make the moves on the other chick that's living in the, living in the house with them. I can't remember all their names now because there's so many characters, but they're so good. <laughs> and he goes upstairs and he goes to talk to the other chick who's having a dance off and Jason kills her and kills this other chick that's downstairs and somehow Reggie's the only one that survives and they have this great standoff in the barn scene and 
we think it's we think it's Tommy throughout this entire thing. You know, we're going back and forth, and we be, believe that it's going to be Tommy, and it's not. And it just shows us that Jason can be in all of us if we channel him, and we are angry enough, and he can live on long after his body is gone. We are all Jason, and at the end, it really gave a whole different direction that the franchise could have gone in. And because fans weren't ready for it, much like a lot of horror fans aren't ready for change, unfortunately wasn't able to happen. But think of the possibilities if that film had taken the pathway that it had set up with Jason being someone of an image that you could just, anyone could be. And specifically people that have been, quote unquote, touched by death or touched by Jason. So this is where I think it's a far superior movie than Takes Manhattan. Touche. Yeah. All yeah. right. So should we ask our questions, ladies? OK, I think I'll take that as a yes. yes. <laughs> We're um, all trying to unmute our mics. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will go first. So we only get one question per advocate here. So um, I'm going to ask Nikki. Mm-hmm. Nikki, I need you to explain to me why the ending of Jason Takes Manhattan is better than New Beginnings because um, it's pretty convoluted. So I need you to help make sense of how he turned back into a child <laughs> <laughs> and uh, make that a better ending than uh, part five. Okay, so with the ending in Jason Takes Manhattan, he is actually killed with toxic waste. The main actress throws toxic waste on to Jason at the end. And when he is surrounded by water, it actually brings up his fear of water, which if you pay attention throughout the the rest of the film, Jason's inner child shows up repeatedly. So whereas part five takes a stance on mental health and mental illness in a different way where it's you know channeling Jason this film actually focuses on Jason's inner child which when he shows up he is very reminiscent of Slimer from Ghostbusters (laughs) that's like what I pictured (laughs) when I saw him (laughs) And, and um he basically his inner child kept reaching out to the main character for help and she really associated and identified with that because she too had a fear of water because of her the guy that was um like the mentor the mentor of the the cruise the chaperone he had like thrown her into the water when she was a kid so she really resonated with how Jason felt about the fear of water and the inner child that keeps showing up is basically showing up to the main character to tell her, hey, I need help. This is why Jason is doing what he is doing. If you can get to him through me, then we can conquer Jason. And she figures that out by the end because she conquered her fear and she threw the toxic waste on him. The water is very reminiscent of his fear and it just epitomizes him. It shows him literally as a child after he is defeated. And then the best part about the ending of Jason Takes Manhattan is (laughs) after they defeat him, they go out onto the the strip where they are looking at all the sites and it's like they just completely forgot about the ordeal that they were just in. They're like, yeah, we're on vacation now. Let's go see the sites of Manhattan. 
and they the dog is okay the dog shows up everything's fine there because you're wondering where the dog went after they arrived from the cruise ship to dock in manhattan and with five the ending is very reminiscent of like when it showed tommy at the end like showing like how his his mental illness had taken over a little bit it did remind me of um certain people in my family so i can appreciate that for what it is but i feel like the representation of jason's inner child and the fact that it focused more on jason rather than just channeling jason was um more impactful thank you Um, i have one for heather heather so why do you think that Roy had a picture of himself in his wallet? <laughs> you know, Rebecca, I really appreciate that powerful question. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why is because Roy was overcome with guilt. He he knew about this child, but for whatever reason, perhaps there was a dysfunctional relationship with the mother. Perhaps it was an affair and Roy was married to somebody else. We'll never quite know that that's backstory. And that's part of the mystery of part five is never really knowing why did Roy not come forward and and disclose that Joey was his son but imagine you have years of abandonment and that guilt and that you know that you should reach out to your son but years have gone by you don't know what you would say and perhaps Roy was just getting up the courage and then he arrives to find Joey dead and that anger just boils up inside and he's heard about Jason Voorhees and Jason Voorhees avenging his mother. And Roy goes, I get that. I feel that anger. I must do something. So he carries Joey's picture as a re- as a reminder of what his purpose is. And that drives him throughout the film because he gets stabbed, he gets run over and he keeps fighting back for Joey. And that's why Rebecca. <laughs> but she asked why he had a picture of Why he had a picture That's of why. Because, because that was a great compelling argument on that, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why. Because he keeps the picture to keep him going. That's exactly why. A picture of himself. Of Joey. I thought he kept a picture of Joey in his wallet. He has yeah, a picture of Joey, but he picture also has a picture from... of himself yeah. in his wallet. Oh, well, I don't remember that part, so sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good argument, though. For yeah, great. It was. I just, I'm doing my best, guys. I'm new and I'm trying. So, you know. Yeah. You're doing awesome. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Carly or Jamie? Um, well, you know, uh, Nikki, you know, tells a compelling story of how the main final girl in uh, part eight is so good and everything. So I'm wondering, Heather, do you think, like, what makes you think that the characters in part five stand out more so than in part eight? Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> no, I just think that when you have a young child like Reggie, who is there with his grandfather and, you know, is trying to connect with the other young people that are there and someone like Pam, who is beyond patient and understanding and the two random forces, you know, they, they're not siblings. Like, it's not like in the fourth one where there was a relation here. There was just they this kid happened to go there and Pam happened to be there. And it's almost like this motherly bond happens with Reggie. And that final scene is, you know, as cheesy as I'm sounding. I really do love that final scene. I absolutely love 
when she Pam looks like she's going to get killed and Reggie comes out with that tracker tractor. It's just a really emotional scene and it's quite clever for this kid to somehow go and start this tractor and go after Pam and when they're in the barn and they're trying to hide and they work together and then eventually Tommy shows up and confronts Jason and then gets stabbed and somehow gets back up to them and the three of them work together. I just feel like it's a real teamwork situation and it's three different people who really don't know each other don't have a relationship with each other except for a couple of days or you know a loose connection between Reggie's grandfather working there to come together and to build that partnership to defeat um, Jason aka Roy is just impactful and I think it really stays with you and you really get behind rooting for these characters yeah okay all right Jamie your turn for a question Okay, uh, Nikki, do you consider it a heroic action on Jason's part when he rips the spine out of the rapist drug dealer? Oh, goodness. You know, that's a tricky one to answer because Jason doesn't have remorse for anyone. He, He still went after the main character after he killed the two junkies. And specifically the one who was going to assault Rennie. Um, to be honest, no, I don't really think I do have remorse for him because he he still had it in his mind that he was going to kill her anyway. When he killed the junkie, it was just for the sake of killing. It wasn't for the sake of saving her. So my answer is no, I don't think it was a heroic act. All right. So uh, go ahead and give your closing statement since Nikki started. Heather? Nikki, mad yes. respect. I really appreciate your arguments, but I think my movie's better. And, <laughs> and I'm really hoping I win this because I don't know what else to do. So I, I I think that when we look at Jason 5, and all joking aside, I think the fifth installment of this series wanted to go in a different direction. I don't think horror fans were ready for it at that time. I do think it was ahead of, a t- ahead of its time, much like many movies that we see. I think if this movie was to come out now, it would be a hit. And people would love it, and they would want to see the pursuit of Jason um, as Tommy as Jason, and to see where that went. And for that reason, I think this movie deserves to com- continue to move ahead because it was so forward-thinking, because it had this coming together of characters that didn't have relationships prior leading up to this and just work together in order to survive. I like the humanized part of Jason. I like the deeper meaning behind revenge and how you can feel deceived when someone that you love is taken from you. And I think that this movie had some some great sex scenes and some awesome boobies. And that's really what Friday the 13th films are all about. Nikki, your closing statement? Yeah, mad respect to you as well, Heather. I appreciate all the arguments that you brought forth and you did a very good job. I uh, definitely have a similar way of interpreting movies the way that you do. And I think that's really cool. Um, like just like analyzing the finer details of film. So just wanted to let you know. My closing statement for the argument between part five and Jason Takes Manhattan is having part five was definitely uh, difficult in a sense. I, I had done a little bit of reading about it and I know 
that in part five, they have a lot of drug use that they do. And there was actually a documentary where they um, talked about how there was a lot of drug use that took place behind the scenes with the film. And I'm just wondering if that, um, well, from my own interpretation here, if it kind of like took away from some of the, the charm that Friday the 13th had originally with how I feel about, you know, one, two, three, and four. And I, I was just curious, like, what their, uh, their rationale was for taking the route they did with some of the characters in the film and also with um, the way that Jason wasn't even the killer. And with Jason Takes Manhattan, what I think they did well was they opened up a brand new perspective for the franchise. The franchise actually was able to have so many opportunities for different sequels because they took Jason out of the element of like just keeping him confined to Crystal Lake. They're like, okay, Jason can he can go to Manhattan. So that definitely opened up a lot of doors for them with the franchise. And I'm not so sure they, they, with some of the other films they made after this one, if they went in the right direction with that, but it definitely did open up a lot of opportunities for them in terms of sequels because of Jason takes Manhattan. All right, ladies, are you ready to vote? Yep. All right, Rebecca, let's start it out with you. I, um, Due to her compelling arguments, um, I am going with Friday the 13th, part five. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's all because of her wonderful debating skills, yes. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Carly? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, to be fair, I think Nikki put up some good arguments for part eight, um, especially with the connection between uh, Rennie and um, Jason and everything. But I think I will still have to go with part five. Um, I did, I liked Heather's, um, you know, her talk about how she really likes the ending of part five and uh, the fact that it is a new beginning and it's got... Pretty much everything you would want in a slasher film, particularly Friday the 13th. So I will have to go with part five. Um, for me, I, I really like both of these films. I think this is probably like the hardest decision because I really, really like both of these. Um, I They're probably two of the most watchable for me after uh, the ones that we're about to discuss. Um, so this is really, really tough. Um, but... Um, you know, I wish, um, you know, that Nikki had presented um, one of the best kills in the entire franchise. Um, but, um, you know, I think she did a really great job answering that. And due to the fact that, you know, you say it's a new beginning, but they don't do anything with it after that. So that's kind of a moot point. Um, I have to go with Nikki on this one. So I'm, I'm going Manhattan. So Jamie. Okay, uh, well, I would like to say that I think that Nikki put forth some really good arguments for a film that I pretty much find indefensible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, <laughs> I just can't help it. I, I just, 
think it's one of the most boring in the series. And Jason just does a lot of looking around corners and peeking. But uh, I really like the themes explored in part five that have to do with grief and revenge. And I think it just has a little bit deeper going on for it there. So I'm going to go with part five. Yay. Part five moves on. Congrats, Heather. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> I like job, that. Nikki. I like Takes Manhattan, by the way. I think it's fun. It was um, the first time I saw it, actually. And oh. I thought it was a lot of fun, too. The boxing scene always gets to me. I think that scene's really hey. Oh, that was the best scene. I was, that's why I was, I didn't want to say anything <laughs> about that one yet if, if it were to go through yeah. quicker. I was and Bandana that Man. Man. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm surprised Absolutely. Rebecca didn't put that one forward. I I, I am actually shocked, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get to our second battle? Yes. Yeah. All right, we have. Ooh, Jamie. Jason goes to hell. And. Ooh, Carla. New blood. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> okay round one fight <laughs> go All ahead <right>. jamie <laughs> okay well <laughs> this is interesting because i just heard carly talk about this movie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't. You didn't get a word in edgewise. No, not at all. That was like horror. Like, yeah, he just reviewed the entire franchise. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so with Jason Goes to Hell, a lot of the arguments that you hear is that, you know, Jason isn't in the movie the whole time or that there were things introduced that we'd never seen before. But I'm here to argue that I actually think that those are some of the strengths. Um, when Adam Marcus was handed this project, he had come into a franchise where pretty much everything that could be done had been done. And he didn't want to just do another run-of-the-mill camp slasher where Jason is doing all the things that you expect him to do. So what he decided to do was we get we start off with a Jason that you expect where he's stalking a woman in the woods. You know, we get that shower scene and then it completely turns on its head and turns out that it is an ambush by the FBI. And we get this really incredible shooting scene and a blow up scene. And, and uh, it's exciting in the beginning. And I remember being in the theater thinking, oh, wow, where are they going to go from this? Because Jason is basically nothing but a head. But then what he does as a true horror fan is he introduces things from various other horror things that or horror films that he finds interesting. And one of the things he decides to put in is this body jumping demon thing, which on the surface sounds silly. Of course it does. But what you have to think about is that he was attempting to come up with a reason that Jason is unstoppable, that he always keeps coming back. So he introduced the lore of him only being able to be killed by a Voorhees, which explains why everything, every time you think he's dead, he manages to come back. And we also have some really interesting cast choices here, bringing in Aaron Gray, who was a sci-fi favorite uh, from TV, uh, also Silver Spoons, if you're that old. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then we get a nice series crossover because there was a Friday the 13th series that really that didn't have anything to do with the film series. But if you were a fan of the television series, then when you see John D. LeMay in this film, then that was kind of exciting because there's a little unofficial crossover going there, which I thought was cool. 
The uh, also highlights one of the best kills in the franchise, which is the tent kill with, I mean, have you ever seen anybody get sliced in half with a road sign? I, I've never seen that before. I thought that was kind of cool. Plus a nice sex scene. Um, as far as nodding to other horror movies, like I said, you get little things around the home, the Voorhees home, uh, like the crate and things that you're going to recognize from other horror. And if you're a horror fan, you're sitting there going, oh, oh, I know that, you know, and it's fun. It's just a fun little Easter egg thing. Also, there are multiple locations when a lot of the films frequently take place in one location or ma the majority of them take place in one location. With this film, you get the restaurant, you get the police station, you get the Voorhees house there. Are, you know, it travels all over and gives you a, an idea of how the townspeople have reacted to this whole situation, which brings me to the fact that they've embraced it. And so when the restaurant attempts to sell the Voorhees burgers, it's I think that is a very clever way to highlight exactly how marketing had come into horror films at the time when you had things like uh, Freddy Krueger and merchandising and Jason and merchandising. This was kind of an on the nose look at, yes, we take things that you love and we merchandise the hell out of them. So I thought that was pretty clever. We get the introduction of a very colorful character in Creighton Duke and he seems to have a history with Jason which we know nothing about but he seems to know it but he does deliver some very colorful lines and he is an interesting character whether you like him or not and then at the end you get the tease of something that Friday fans had been waiting for for years and that is Freddy versus Jason, which of course would not come till much later. But when Freddy reaches his glove up to grab the mask and drag it down with that laugh, I think all of us, when we saw it in the theater, were really excited because that just told us that there is more to come. So all in all, I think that even though Jason is not in the entire film, he is in the beginning, he does come back in the end and so you get to see the final battle with him in the end. And in the middle, it goes all over the place and it might seem a little silly, but it's just Marcus's way of trying to pepper in whatever he thought horror fans might be interested in since the franchise at that point had gotten a little stale. <clears throat> yes, well, Jamie, that's a very good argument, but much like JP, it's a stupid argument. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even make sense the way I said that. <laughs> um, okay, so you know that's it. You win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Let's move on. No, but with Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood, you have exactly what Jamie was trying to argue. You have something new. You have something different. This is where. I feel like, you know, you, the first four movies, of course, are like the, everyone's like, they're all the same. But then they started trying to get more creative. And I feel like this one really peaked with the creativity. They were like, hey, let's have somebody fight Jason or have some sort of oomph about them to where they can actually fight back because no one has really been able to fight back that well before. I mean, they, you know, they hit them with shovels and all that bullshit but yeah it's jason like he's unstoppable so you get this girl with these carrie-esque powers and aka telekinesis 
and you go to this secluded area, which, okay, yeah, part Jason goes to hell, whatever you want to call it. That one does take you to new locations. Maybe some people like that. Perhaps they didn't, though. With this, you have another secluded area, which, in my opinion, is much creepier than when you take a movie all over the place because you're back in the woods and uh, this one's very focused. You have a lot of scenes that take place in the woods, which I really appreciate. Um, And it's just Jason's scarier, in my opinion, when he is or not my opinion. This is an argument like everyone's opinion should be that Jason is scarier when he's in his natural habitat in the scary wooded area and not, you know, just running around diners and stuff like that, not even being Jason, being some random white dude. So um, I think this movie actually focuses on being a horror movie. Um, I think the effects on Jason are the best in the franchise. Uh, They still scare me to this day. I think they kind of do something different with the soundtrack on this film uh, with the whole yeah, what is it? Cheech it to the mama, whatever. Um, that whole thing, it's like it's like super creepy to me. And I think other people would agree. And I'm pretty sure you don't really get that in the other films, especially Jason Goes to Hell. So you have that going for it. And as I said, you have something different. You have something different in this film, but the difference is you still have Jason, which is the main focus of these movies. That's what people like. You know, you got Halloween 3, for instance, everyone was pissed. They're like, where's Michael Myers? And that's why people hated on that one. So with Jason Goes to Hell, everyone was like, what the hell? This is some bullshit. And, you know, they're applauding at the end with the whole glove coming up. But I I think at that point, they're more applauding. They're like, oh, the movie's over. They don't even care about that. Um, But, yeah, part seven, I think... It's just one of the best as far as scare factor and the look of Jason and the fact that he actually has a worthy components or what worthy opponent, opponent, opponent. There we go. Component. That would be something that is attached to him. Anyway. Yes. He has a worthy opponent and you know, you do get like a sort of battle thing going on and you have Jason gets set on fire and that was Kane Hodder getting set on fire for a very long amount of time after he almost died from that years beforehand. And Kane Hodder's Jason, I think, and this is the best. He's just, I think he really took on the role in this film and he's like, I am Jason bitches. So uh, yeah, that would be, I think that would be my opening statement for this one. Mic drop. <laughs> All right. Rebecca, why don't you ask a question? Uh, yeah. So, um, so Carly, um, would you leave your hypothetical child in care of Dr. Cruz? Um, well, you know, we don't really know the whole backstory of all that. I feel that maybe Dr. Cruz was probably doing a good job with her and he's very manipulative. I think he has like, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to kind of win these people over. Um, And that's why you're at the point where, you know, they're going in the woods and he's like, Oh, this is really great for her therapy. Um, They've gotten this far. And I think he just has a very sort of manipulative nature to him. And I think that this mom is rather desperate because 
her daughter can move stuff with her mind and killed, you know, her husband and everything. And it's just like no one else can really do this. So it's a very unique case to where you probably don't have many other psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever he is around that are specialized in telekinetic powers and uh, this type of trauma. So um, I think in that situation, if I had a doctor that willing to assist with my daughter, who's just struggling and is probably going to struggle her, her entire life unless she gets a grip of herself, I think, unfortunately, I probably would have to just, you know, go along with what he does and hope for the best. So, okay. yeah. Nikki? Okay, question for Jamie. Why do you feel the protagonist in Jason Goes to Hell did a better job with overpowering Jason than Tina did in Part 7? Ooh. Well, I think that for our hero in Jason Goes to Hell, it wasn't just her life on the line. It was also the life of her child. And she knew that if she didn't end this reign of terror by being a Voorhees, then it would only continue and the life of her child would continue to be in danger. So she had a lot more at stake. Hmm. All right. Heather? Amy, I really liked your argument. The one thing I want to ask you is what do you think this film could have done differently to be more um, accepted in the time that it came out? To be perfectly fair, I do think that if there had been more Jason in the film, if he still wanted to introduce those elements, but perhaps keep the physical Jason character in the film more, I think that would have been more accepting to horror fans. Thank you. And my question is also for Jamie. <laughs> um, Jamie. Do you think that, you know, given the fact that they kind of robbed um, or, you know, kind of piggybacked off of, you know, the Lori Strode uh, sister niece timeline thing, um, do you think they had a missed opportunity with how he killed her, how he killed his own sister in this? Wait, what? Oh, yo, you mean when he killed the Aaron Gray character? Yes. Uh is it a missed opportunity of how he killed like because it's supposed to be like you know she's been hiding out all this time and then you know she kind of just gets it through the back and that's it no i i agree i do think that again that could have been more dynamic you know i'm not, i'm not going to argue with that i and considering who she was and and her importance to the story as far as this lore is concerned i do think it would have been more exciting if if her kill had been better. However, I think that what they were attempting to do was save the excitement for the end battle. So perhaps you could see that as a flaw, but I think it was more a pacing issue and they were just trying to keep the energy going until we got to the end, because in the end, she was not the most important Voorhees. Well, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Carly closing statements all right so basically i think you all should vote for my um movie um because it's better than jason goes to hell um i just think <laughs> that's all it comes down to i find that one to be rather unwatchable if i'm being honest um but uh, like I said, I think that part seven is probably the most horror 
of the franchise when it comes to trying to be scary and not throwing too many jokes or cheesiness into it. Um, as I said, I think the effects, they really put a lot of effort into Jason. It is also the first movie with Kane Hodder, who is a fan favorite and um, does give a very solid performance in this. And again, they tried to do something different, but not too different to where it would piss off the fans. It was kind of like right in the middle where it's like, okay, it's kind of weird having a girl with these powers and everything. But at the same time, we still get to see Jason kill a bunch of people. So, you know, we're not going to be too mad about it. So overall, I think it is a solid entry to the franchise. Jamie? Uh, well, once again, the strongest thing I think that that exists with my film is that it was clearly made by a fan of horror in general who was attempting to appeal to fans of horror in general at a point where perhaps they'd gotten tired of seeing the same old thing. When it comes to part seven, I really feel like there was a glut of characters in that film, so much so that you didn't really get the opportunity to care about any of them. And unfortunately, the kills were neutered to uh, almost irreparable damage in that film. And that you cannot blame the director for that, but we can only judge a film on what we're given, not what we could have been given. And what we come away with is ultimately kind of boring. All right, let's take a vote. Heather. First of all, mad respect, Carly. Um, Seven is actually one of my favorite ones. And I think you did a wonderful job debating Recently, I rewatched all of them for this podcast, and it's been over probably close to 20 years since I watched Jason Goes to Hell. And notoriously, I I dislike that one very strongly. But I think Jamie's arguments in terms of what that film was trying to do was extremely monumental at the time. And I think this is just another example of horror fans not liking when people change things in their cage. And I think Jamie presented that well. So great job, Carly, but I'm going to go with uh, Jamie on this one. Please don't punch me later. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) Nikki? Yeah, you guys both did an amazing job presenting your arguments. And Jason Goes to Hell, that was also another first time watch for me. And part seven is actually one of my favorite in the franchise as well. And I, I've always really resonated with the main character in that. I don't know if it's because she's psychic, but I just, I also really love plot lines where the main character has special abilities that she can, that they can use to take on the, the villain in a film. And with Jason Goes to Hell, while it is very entertaining, like me and Lacey were texting each other the entire time that we were watching it together, and it definitely did leave an impact in that sense, but it's definitely not a film that I will want to return to. And I do feel that you did an awesome job, Jamie, with your arguments, but I'm more partial to part seven, so I'm going to go with Carly. Um, I'm gonna go. Um, now, uh, Jimmy, you got asked one of the questions of regards to, uh, the battle of the end, and, you know, I, I just can't get behind that a magical sword is what took him out, you know, I think, I guess I'm just more... 
prone to, you know, the telekinesis aspect of, you know, when she's like throwing him up on that rope and, you know, so I guess in that aspect, Carly has to win. That was a dagger, but okay. Close enough. (laughs) (laughs) I... I have to also, Jamie, you you did a fantastic yes. job. And I l- always like to say that Jason Goes to Hell, I actually like Jason Goes to Hell. It's just not a Friday the 13th movie. And um, one of the things that's always been bothersome in the Friday the 13th movies is, just in slashers, really, not just the Friday the 13th movies, but, like, the adversary and the uh, the protagonist usually don't match up very well and in this one you know jason's becoming you know i mean he he got resurrected in the one before when we're talking about part seven i mean he's zombie jason at this point in time and so it the idea that somebody else with supernatural beginnings or powers would fight him makes so much more sense than um a chick with a dagger uh but so i'm gonna have to go with i'm gonna have to go with uh part seven all right so new blood moves forward. And uh, thank you for that, because everything I said was total bullshit. I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. I wouldn't have been yeah, able to. Oh, no, yeah. Bad props. Right? Yeah. You have to, and if you have an opinion about something, you you have to be able to argue the other side. I've always said that. And you did a really great job, Jamie. That, that's great job. <laughs> Like, I, I was messaging Jamie, and uh, she told me, she was like, when we do our marathons, she's like, Brian always wants to skip this one. <laughs> yeah, he'll always pretend like we just watched it. And I'm like, no, we didn't. <laughs> Ten years, what do you mean? <laughs> All right, so that comes to our final, well, not our final, but final out of the three. Um, so nobody thinks that, like, I cheat of who goes first. Does somebody want to write down me and Rebecca's name? And then draw it. I never have any paper. I can do it. Sorry. I had a hard time unmuting myself. <laughs> Apparently, it's a rough day. Hashtag too much to drink last night. All right. What were you drinking? Oh, what was I not? Um, mix of <laughs> ciders. I smoked a big doobie. It was great. Just oh. the usual Friday night. Um, all right. Toss these around. Do, 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 do. Close my eyes. Lacey, you're up. Okay, fair enough. So I'm battling Jason X, eh? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so I have Friday the 13th, 2009, which I feel like I kind of have, you know, a disadvantage out of all of you guys because it's not technically a sequel. It's a remake of one of the most beloved films of horror cinema history. So I'm here to present you to why it brings back that aspect of what we originally loved, right? So coming out of, uh, so we have, you know, we had Freddy versus Jason prior to this film. And then before that, we had the unfortunate film that is Jason X, right? So, which is just absurd and ridiculous. And yeah, so the key aspects of why this movie is so great is, like I said, it brings back so much of what we loved from the original. It actually brings back the camping aspect, which for me, that's so strong from the first four movies, one through four. Like camping is, you know, it's Jason's home. Like camping is just like the epitome of Jason Voorhees, right? And 
it brings back that camping aspect. The opening sequence, it gives you a story of where they kind of somewhat flubbed it, you know, uh, with the continuity or whatever in the original and going forward of it didn't really explain, you know, what happened. It's like Jason's dead. And, you know, I know people like that aspect, but this actually gives you a cohesive storyline in regards to, um, you know, what happened with Mrs. Voorhees and, you know, Jason actually saw her be beheaded and, um, you know, he was just born, you know, um, the way that he was and um, he was picked on and the mother wanted revenge. And you get that opening sequence of uh, basically where part one of the original ends off. So you get like a whole um, aspect. And I love that they pay homage to that, um, you know. Um, so going with that and actually I when I sat down to watch this, um, there was a scene in that opening, uh, like the lightning goes off and I literally jumped. So um it, it has some really great jump scares and in regards to that, I jumped twice in this movie watching it last night. Um, it gives you a callback to a lot of the other films, like you have Baghead Jason, you know, he finds the the hockey mask, you know, um, so he doesn't just start out with it, which I think is really cool. And, you know, there's been so many sleeping bag deaths in this film or in the in this franchise, like part seven has like a very iconic one um, that I laugh at because on TV, it's just like he hits her with it over the tree once and then but it's more brutalized it was supposed to be like 80 times or something that he hit her over it. And then there's the cheesy sleeping camp death and, or the sleeping bag death and Jason X where he's just like hitting him with it. And it's just so fucking corny and stupid. This one, he puts the bitch in the fucking sleeping bag and puts her above the fire, which is maybe one of the most brutal things that I've seen in any of these films. Um, this was also directed by Marcus Nespel, who did um, Texas Chainsaw. So this dude knows how to make a remake, right? Um, Texas Chainsaw 2003, which I think that was amazing. I didn't even know that he did this one as well, which is really, really cool. He knows how to make a remake. The cast of this, I know, um, will probably get argued that, wow, it was just like CW casting. Well, in 2009, those were the shows that I was watching, was people from... Um, you know, the CW. That's who I wanted to see on my screen. I'm like, hey, that's Jared fucking Paladacki. That's Sam from Supernatural. Hey, that's Danielle Panabaker. She's from um, the Disney Channel. That You have fucking Willa Ford. She wants to be bad. Plus, you get Willa Ford's tits in this. Um, yeah, so um, I love that this is grounded more in reality. So compared to, you know, like, I think reality kind of stopped at some point, probably around part four, right? This actually brings it back to reality, like the original. And I think that's really cool. The deaths in this are really, really awesome as well. Like you have Ryan Hansen from Veronica Mars, um, which is one of my favorite TV shows, mind you. But he goes, whoa! And then he gets an arrow through the fucking head and it's awesome. And, you know, then when you see Willis tits and he puts that fucking thing in her head, and it lifts her up, and there's her boobs. Like, it's just awesome. Like, and then you have, you know, the Asian guy's death, who is probably one of my favorite characters in, you know, any of the films. Like, you feel for these characters. You really, really do. And then, like, it, it's beyond brutal. You have Derek Mears playing um, 
you know, Jason Voorhees, who Derek Mears is like the nicest person on the planet, but he's very, very menacing in this film. Um, yeah, like you care about these characters that are dying. And I just really, I really like the story of it. Like, I think I've grown to appreciate this more and more over time. Um, it also has one of the most quoted lines in a horror movie. Your tits are stupendous. Um, so we got to go with that as well. Um, you have one of those characters that you absolutely love to hate. Like, I feel like in all of these other films that we have been talking about today, like, you don't really get to know much about these characters. Like, in the short span of time of this hour and 37 minute runtime that this film is, you get to know these characters and you care about them. This dude's looking for a sister. It gives you a storyline. And I, I just think it's really cool. Um... And it's cohesive. It's not It's not putting you in fucking space with a sex bot. It's not putting you, like, it, these characters aren't necessarily dumb. They're just real people, it feels like. Um, yeah, I, so I'm going to stop right there because I think that's enough. But I respect. do have more. Respect, Lacey, respect. All right, Rebecca, okay, bring it. So, so Jason X came out at a time when... Uh, as we heard before, at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, we had the tease of Freddy versus Jason, which is something that people had wanted for years before that. That was something like, I think, back if you remember people in the school, like, playground talking about, like, we need Freddy versus Jason. So they were kind of waiting for all of that to come through. And Jason X um, did something that most of the movies pay absolutely no attention to, and that is they were paid attention to the timeline. If you are a Friday the 13th fan, you can argue with Dave Z out the wazoo about the real timeline, but the people, honestly, for the first eight movies, well, nine, they didn't really give a shit about the timeline. So the way that they got around it, they didn't want to fuck up the timeline with Freddy versus Jason. So how do you do that? You put it so far in the future that you're not gonna fuck up the timeline. So I appreciate that as someone who has argued with people constantly about the damn timeline. Um, it is also still, it's a it's a grassroots thing. I mean, produced by Noel Cunningham, um, executive produced by Sean Cunningham, and they came up with the idea because they were kind of like, what are we gonna, what, what else can you do with Jason? Okay, let's put him in space, great. And, you know, we have to remember that parts five through 10, basically everybody who was given that to do, they were like, here, do something fucking different, right? Okay, so they did something different. And um, they brought it back to Jason. And I will say that one of the uh, one of the strengths of this movie is, first of all, you've got Kane Hodder again, who again, fan favorite, he's been in multiple movies as Jason. Um, but you also get uh, you get a lot of Jason. Um, you go from one movie where you don't have any Jason and pretty much then the next movie, he's in the entire thing. Uh, it has one of the most inventive and unique kills in the franchise. And I dare say, like, I mean, one of the best, um, the dry ice head smashing. Uh, that is that is absolutely iconic and great. Now. If we talk about the reboot in juxtaposition, um, it was all different people. Marcus Niesbo, yes, he did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which I think we've all kind of talked about, we all love. 
Um, he did a good job with that, and he did a good job with this Friday the 13th, but we've got Michael Bay producing it. Like, come on. It was slicked up in Hollywood. Um, all of the people were already known. Um, they And again, like Lacey said, they were all on like the CW and stuff like that. And a problem I have with um, when you try to put people like that in a situation of terror, you can't be scared for them. You know they're okay. Not that you think that a nun an actor is going to get killed, but you can't have fear for somebody who's kind of slicked up and you know that, you know, they're going to be on Supernatural next week. So the other thing that Jason X has over the reboot, the reboot, pretty much everything was rehashed of another movie. And there were a lot of things like the sleeping bag kill. Like, let's do the sleeping bag kill, but let's do it better. Like, let's let's not have Jason, you know, like be a legend and everything. Let's let's explain shit. Okay. And it's the whole time it's basically all this movie is saying is, okay, all that shit that you like, we're gonna we're gonna fix everything that's wrong with it and we're gonna make it better. And I just I don't feel like it needed to be made better. Um, I don't feel like anything was unique in the reboot because, again, it was just a rehash of something else that happened. And, I mean, Jason X had balls. And, you know, many people enjoy it. I have I actually am a fan of the take somebody and shoot them into space kind of thing. Um, and a lot of people have some, like, actual enjoyment from that movie. And I think that's that is actually... A really good thing about that movie because so many people were very disappointed by Jason Goes to Hell that they is almost like, hey, we're going to make a movie so you can just go and have fun, have your popcorn, not be pissed off, whatever. And I think it succeeds in that. It has some funny characters, um, you know, different situations, a completely different situation, right? And we do get at least one little camping thing with the uh, kind of simulation where they put him back at Camp Crystal Lake with the two bimbos and like, we love to have premarital sex. You know, it's kind of a funny little like, ha ha to, you know, to all of us. Um, but Uber Jason is a fantastic uh, representation of Jason. I mean, he's really cool. Um, and Derek Mears did a great job. Um, but I feel like he tried to be all of the guys who'd been Jason before him, whereas Kane Hodder in this, he's, he was like, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the Jason I was, but what, what, what Jason would I be at this point in time? So he already had like a little bit more of the, the thought of the character and the arc of the story. So that is why I think Jason X is superior to the reboot. All right. So let's start with Jamie. Jamie, what you got? Okay. Uh, Lacey. Uh, for the remake, it appears that the townspeople are well aware of what's going on here. At one point, uh, the Padalecki character even goes to talk to a neighbor in the vicinity, and she seems to know what's going on. Why do you think it is that they allow this to continue and that the law enforcement has not stepped in? Um. Well, would you want to go up against Jason Voorhees? <laughs> 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 yeah, Jamie could take him. 
That's the question, Jamie. I mean, I would just pretend like I was on my phone and then walk away. That's not. I I think people know that. I think, in all fairness, I think that people know. um, You know, I don't think they necessarily even know where he's hiding because he does have like that underground hideout. Um, So maybe they just couldn't find him. Like he eludes them underneath. That's fair. Thank you. All right. I like walk go on my phone and walk away. That's funny. Jason will respect that. That's good. All right. So, Carly, what you got? Um, Well, Lacey, now, how do you feel? Do you think Jason made this underground hideout in the reboot, or was it already there? What do you think? How did that occur? You know, I'm really not sure, Carla. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think he's been there, obviously, for some time. because his he's seen his mom get killed so i mean obviously if i think maybe he did like found it i don't necessarily think he built it but i think he knows like the woods in and out like the back of his hand and i mean if you look like him wouldn't you live underground i would <laughs> i like how lacy turns the question back around right. i know like i didn't know i was being interviewed Just looking oh, in the mirror, Amazing. Um, all right, Nikki. Uh, for Rebecca, uh, Lacey gave the argument that Derek Mears was more menacing in the 2009 remake. Can you give some examples from Jason X how as to how Kane Hodder actually was more menacing? He was a motherfucking mecha, Jason. <laughs> Bam. And uh, my questions for Rebecca. Rebecca, I have I have two questions, but they they flow together. Did you feel like the two holograms represented you and me? <laughs> In our younger days, perhaps. Yes. Not now. Not now. Right. 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 Now. Okay. Now we would just be like, you want to fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and then can you eat afterwards? <laughs> Um, my next question is, what do you think is the most uh, memorable? Um, what is the thing that people remember the most from Jason X? I do think it's actually that dry ice head mash. I mean, that's fantastic. And it's not something that you've ever seen before. It's something definitely outside of what happens in a slasher. Um, I think it was a good mixing of like that, the horror and the sci-fi. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I guess so rebuttals now. So, Lacey, uh, would you like to give your closing arguments? Actually goes to Rebecca oh. first because I started. Oh. Rebecca, just kidding. Rebecca, you give your closing arguments. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Jason X was unique. It was original. It, uh, But it also was from a lot of the people who had already been doing the movies. And so it came from a place of um, let's be original, but let's keep with what we have let's be very um loving to the franchise i think with the reboot it was basically handing it all over to somebody else to do what they wanted with it and i think if any of us were you know asked to write a script for okay hey here you know reimagine friday the 13th and fix it i think we'd come up with some of the same things as the reboot but i just don't feel like it had anything original that it brought to the table that i needed it didn't have any holes or or like, you know, holes filled that I really wanted to have filled. So I think just for sheer originality, I think Jason X is better. All right, Lacey. 
Okay. Now, Rebecca, you keep saying about this script. Um, I personally know that uh, Todd Farmer wrote the script of uh, Jason X, and I know that his original script was a lot uh, more scary, and the studio kept uh, making him go back and uh, change it. So he ended up just writing out the most ridiculous script that he could possibly fathom because he got sick of them and handed it to him. And they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to make this movie, which is Jason X. And I'm sorry, but I feel like that's just really not him necessarily, but what the studio did and that they accepted it. I just feel like it's downright disrespectful to the franchise, in my opinion. Um, either you guys can agree with me or not. That's a personal opinion and I stick by it. Um, now, I feel like... Jason X is kind of the joke of the entire franchise. Um, I honestly do not like this movie. Um, it's just so camp, like, it's not even, like, campy good. It just can't, like, it's just bad. Like, I feel like it's on par with, like, Leprechaun in space. Like, you know, once it's in space, it's jumped the fucking shark completely, and this one completely did it. I mean, you have a talking robot head, like... I don't know. Like, I just think it's stupid. Now, back to why my film is better. Um, in this one, you said it didn't do anything different or new. I think it actually did. Now, Danielle Panabaker's character, who was the girlfriend of Trent, and then he cheats on her with the other girl, um, you actually think that she might be the final girl, and then she just gets it in the throat. I love the flip of the switch, and I did not expect and see her death coming at all. That was really fucking cool and really smart, in my opinion. Now, um, the deaths in this movie are probably some of the best. Like, you get Trent, and he just gets, <laughs> like, that scream that he does. Um, but when he dies, and then he just puts him on the back, and, like, you wanted him to get a bad death because you love to hate this character so much, and he just puts him on those things, and then you just see him, like, drive away with him on the back. Like, it's amazing. And... It has, honestly, in my opinion, one of the most horrific uh, scenes of anybody dying in a film. Um, the character, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but um, he goes out uh, to find his friend in, um, who was supposed to fix Trent's dad's chair or whatever, and he goes out and he runs into Jason and he's running back to the house and Jason throws the fucking axe at him. And it lands in his back and he's just on this rock and they know now that Jason's out there so they can't go outside and this guy is just screaming for fucking help. Like he's screaming and like they can't go out there because like they don't like what do you do at that point? Like do you go help your friend? Like it's such a dilemma and it's such a great scene in my opinion. Um, yeah, I I really, really like this film, and I think it surpasses Jason X, and I think it gave people, on like, yeah, maybe Hollywood, but I think it gave people what they wanted at the end of the day. Awesome work, ladies. Um, so we're going to go around, and we're going to give our vote. We're going to start with Carly slash Carla. One vote, though, Carly. Not one <laughs> personality. Oh, okay. All right. So this is going to be Carly speaking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think both arguments were very well represented. And, um, you know, especially with Rebecca having to defend said movie. Because um, I know how I, I know that there's some fakeness behind that. But uh, I don't know. Everything I said was true. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but Lacey's arguments were also very good. And um, 
I think I will have to side with Lacey and go with the reboot because, you know, it was finally uh, Friday the 13th after all these years. And it was trying to incorporate things from the originals, uh, but also be its own thing. And I do think it's pretty brutal. I am with Lacey there where a lot of the kills are some of the more brutal in the franchise as a whole. So I would have to have to go with that one, the reboot. Awesome. 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 All right, Nikki, where you stand girl. Yeah. So yeah, props to both of you. Um, I did not like either of these films and the arguments you both brought were very compelling. Um, I was able to, enjoy one a little more than the other with Jason X. I just found that so hard to sit through and watch and just keep my attention on it. And with the remake, it, it definitely did have more of a feeling of the original, not 100% in my mind. And I think that's why I, I still don't even really like that one. Um, But both arguments were very good, and that's why I have to go with the remake. So, Lacey. All right. Jamie, bring us in. Okay. This was actually the toughest matchup for me because I do like both of these films. I am a huge fan of Jason X. I really am. As ridiculous as it is, I think it's a lot of fun. And as for the remake... It has a lot of nudity and some extremely brutal kills. Um, Like that sleeping bag death is horrifying. And, you know, her boyfriend is trapped in a bear trap and just having to watch it happen. Then he gets chopped in the head. Like it's there. You can feel the weight behind those kills and the 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 anger of that Jason. And. I I do appreciate that because that's what I look for in my slashers or brutal kills and tits. You know, that's what I like. So it's tough. It's tough. This is really hard. But I think what I'm going to have to ultimately do is give the edge to the remake simply because it feels more like a grounded slasher film. Awesome. David Cronenberg being in Jason X, notwithstanding, because I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that warms my Canadian heart. Thanks, I James. didn't even pull that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm going to be a little different here. I think if we look solely at arguments, I think Rebecca did a really great job. Lacey always does a good job in everything that she argues. She's very good at debating. Um, but I think Rebecca had a real challenge here. Um, with this film, with how it was perceived. And I think her arguments that she gave was very strong. I know it doesn't matter because Lacey technically won, but Rebecca, I would give it to you. And I did. Everything that I said about Jason X was true. But everything I said about Jason X was really generally me trying to, like all the pros I was coming up with trying to like the movie. Like trying desperately the last time I watched it. So, yeah, I didn't lie. I tried, but thank fucking God. Yes, put the reboot through, people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now... See, that's like me. If Jason Goes to Hell had actually pulled it out, I have no idea what the hell I would have to say (laughs) in the next go-round. I'm like, see former argument, because I got nothing else. (laughs) 
that's why I was I was holding on to the Cronenberg because I'm like, just in case Jason X goes through, I need another pro. <laughs> Even without that, Rebecca, you won my Canadian heart. Aww. And you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> the most on this show, actually, I have been dead to. <laughs> you haven't been dead to me in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a couple episodes. Yeah. It's, really, yeah. it's okay. She's You'll like come. Jason. She keeps coming back. Yeah, sure. Right? Do, you like, a, do you have a demon in your cooch? Better fucking believe it. All right. So we have three films remaining, guys, which is New Beginnings, New Blood, and the remake. So I think we should go in order of their release. Of course. Well, and it's been a while since you've had to talk about your film, Heather. Sure why has. Is, been. <laughs> all right, so why is your film better than New Blood and the remake? Well, first of all, I I definitely have to give my the props to New Blood and the remake. I think both are incredible films. But without Jason Five, you know, chronologically we wouldn't have either because it wouldn't have kept the franchise going. Um, the reality with Jason Five is that you have two camps of people. You have people who really bought into the concept that I discussed before, the idea that Jason could be anybody, the idea that Jason can live on through someone who is directly connected to a tragedy, whether that be Roy watching his or coming to find his son dead or Tommy, who experienced some very serious trauma as a young child. And you have the other camp of people who were so upset by this movie and unpleased with it and they wanted more and which is why we have jason lives so if you didn't have a movie that set a fire like jason five did it set a fire for people who were like this is awesome and it set a fire for people who were like this is horrible or pissed off you wouldn't have the birth of the rest of the series we wouldn't have seven we wouldn't have the remake it could have possibly just ended with four but we didn't as as controversial as part five is, it is essential in the development of the series because of the emotions that it stroke up and its ability to carry on. And even now, you know, part five is getting that love that it definitely did not get from everybody when it first came out. So we have part five to thank for the series continuing, which is why it should be the number one film out of these three. Carly? <clears throat> yes, well, that's all <laughs> fine and dandy, Heather. But well. <laughs> no, I won't be a jerk. Um, t- yes, I I will go with Heather where I give my um, respects to both Part 5 and the reboots, of course, because they are solid films. Um, that is why they've made it this far. But I think um, with part seven, like I said, it's kind of like you get the best of both worlds here. You have, they're doing something new with it, but again, it's not too new to the point where fans are going to get pissed off, where with a new beginning, people were pretty mad about uh, it not being Jason um, by the end. Uh, now, you know, granted, people have come around on it and taken the movie for what it is, but there's still people who think part five is just 
like a waste because of that. Um, with the reboots, obviously it is a reboot, so it's utilizing stuff from the past movies, but with that, it doesn't make it all that original, because you're just seeing things you've seen before, like uh, Mrs. Voorhees getting her head chopped off, and the whole thing where he's confused on if that girl's his mom or not, and uh, you get some, not sack head, but I think he has, like, or maybe it is a sack head, you know, he has his face wrapped up and then gets a mask, so it kind of just takes from all these other movies, and it's not as unique. Now, part seven, huh, that tried something new, and like I said, you still have Jason, and I think he's as violent and, p- and pissed off as ever. And a thing I forgot to mention, you get a crazy Ralph narration at the beginning of this oh, yes. one, which is super cool, and it's actually him, and uh, that's, um, you know, paying homage to... The ones you had before that. I've always really liked that. And, you know, he's... It just shows Crazy Ralph still cares. He's like, you know, Jason's out there. And he will come back. And does he ever in part seven. And, um... As I said, I think this one is... Uh... The scariest. Um... I do think the reboot is scary in its brutality. But... Part seven is just scary in Jason being the most menacing. And I can argue that I think he's honestly the most menacing in this film. Uh, obviously I can't compare him to part five cause that's, that's old Roy. Um, but obviously he is better than Roy cause he is Jason. And uh, just the look of him is terrifying and the reboot. You don't really get to get a good look at him unmasked. And uh, this film, I'm pretty sure every film does have, like, a moment where he is unmasked briefly. But this one, you get, like, a lot of it. And they really show off those effects. And I think it's super cool and pays off with that. Obviously, in part five, you get just um, some basic white dude paramedic. And it's like, ah, it's just a dude in the mask. Granted, he did kill a bunch of people. But, um, you know, it's kind of... It's not, I feel like he's not as brutal in part five. So overall, I feel that part seven um, is just kind of the perfect mashup of films. You know, it's got uh, scary Jason. It has some decent kills um, and it tries to do something new, as I said, but it's not too new to where fans who enjoy more of the same aren't going to be like, well, this is garbage. So. That's 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 pretty much what I gotta say on part seven. All right, ladies, I respect your arguments and I respect your films. <clears throat> all right, that's about it. Um, <laughs> so, all right, part five. Okay, again, I have to, I have to implore you, ju- this jury over here. I have to implore you that I'm sorry, um, fucking Roy is not Jason. He is not Jason. And his motivation for killing everybody was the fact that Joey fucking died. I'm sorry. I think Vic did us all a fucking goddamn favor. <laughs> Literally one of the most annoying characters of all time. Oh, you want a chocolate bar? No, nobody wants your greasy ass chocolate bar. He did everybody a favor by killing that fuck. I'm sorry. It, it's true. And I'm sorry, they're just not good motivation enough for me for a story to move forward. 
um, to reinvent the wheel of a franchise. It, it's just not. Um, and the ending of five is so convoluted that when Nikki was watching it, she thought Tommy was the actual killer. So it, if it's that confusing, then is it really that good? And is it really that great of a whodunit? I don't think so. As for part seven, hmm. um, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the more these movies going on, they got ridiculous. All right, now it's Carrie and the next one, you know, in part eight, he's traveling across oceans and the next one he's body jumping. Like, it's like, and then the next one he's in space. It's absolutely ridiculous ridiculous like telekinesis like just because like she's like and I was really confused of whether she actually liked her dad or not in this film as well I think that the reboot is the most grounded story it's the most cohesive it's not confusing if like yes are the other ones you know fun to watch or whatever but if I'm judging it solely based on what I'm looking for in a Friday the 13th movie I want Jason I want kills I want tits I want brutality that is what I'm looking for in a Friday the 13th film and I'm sorry I'm not looking for telekinesis I'm not looking for a paramedic I'm looking for fucking Jason Voorhees and the remake delivered that and on top of that, they delivered characters that we actually give a fuck about, which in part five, I mean, yeah, you do have Reggie the Reckless, but how much is he actually in that film? And this one, and in part seven, yeah, Tina's cool and whatnot because she has these, uh, you know, superhuman abilities, but like anybody else in that movie, it just kind of like fucking sucks. Um, I mean, they have no chemistry whatsoever. And, you know, the like you can see things coming from a mile away in part seven, like the scene where the blonde girl is, she's like, I'm not going anywhere. Or I'm not going outside. And like you can see Jason literally like come up against the wall and it like or he's out. You can see him come standing outside of the door. Like, that's not scary. You know, he's going to pop in there in like two point five seconds. Like, so I'm sorry, that just ruins it for me. The reboot is scary. It has Jason. It has everything that a true Friday the 13th, you know, OG watcher would want, in my opinion. That's it. So at questions. this point, so, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, do, is it just the other, the three of us now vote on which one we're booting? Uh, what do you guys want to do? Hmm. You can ask. I have question. a rebuttal, but I can. We can well, you get a closing. So, yeah, they have to oh, ask. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, we're doing the same thing. So ask a question. Yeah, you can help or hinder. Okay, uh, Heather. Um, Word. Uh, have you ever um, grabbed white sheets out of a laundry basket with chocolate all over your hands? Absolutely. Good question. Every weekend, because um, oh, okay. I have a chocolate addiction. I think mm. that scene in the movie was definitely put in there to move along Joey's character as being unobservant and annoying, which, as Lacey beautifully pointed out, he was a super annoying character. Uh, which is what led to the killing of him. I think it was by Vince. Uh, so if we didn't have him grabbing those sheets with his chocolate hands, it was actually really smart writing because it shows his ability to irritate everyone there to the point of somebody who has anger issues, because we all know that the youth that were living at this halfway house had some kind of um, mental illness or anger, lashed out, which pushed the plot along. So, yes, I, I definitely agree with the chocolate hands of grabbing of sheets because it makes sense for this film. And who knows, I might do it myself again one day. Mm -hmm. Jamie, do you have a question? Um, sure. Uh, for 
part five, do you think it makes sense that two teens are put into what is basically a halfway house just because they have sex a lot? <laughs> you know, that's a very good point, Jamie. <laughs> you know, we don't actually understand their background why they're there. We do know that they are very sexually attracted to each other. And assuming that they met in the halfway house and they were able to engage in that, um, especially for our lovely sex scenes in a Friday the 13th film, I'm going to assume there was more of a backstory to them. But because you have a lot of characters, they focused on backstories of things like Tommy and Vince and other people that you would have moving the plot more through um those two characters were just meant for some good time showing the boobies some good time sexy times and some good kills nikki um lacy why do you think the ending of the reboot is better than the other two well like i said it's not really convoluted it takes it back to its roots of um you know kind of setting it up for a potential sequel that can be more grounded in reality again um, I believe the other two, it's kind of just like, especially part five, like it's super confusing. Um, you know, when, you know, Tommy's wearing the mask at the end and I don't know, like, and then where does Tina go? And the thing is, none of these characters moved on to sequels in any of these films, unfortunately, to really see what their true capacity was or where the storyline was going with New Beginnings. Because it didn't work, simply. Um, it simply didn't work, and that's why they went back to their roots in Part 6, and that's why Part 6 isn't in this debate at all, um, because it actually did more of what people wanted, and then they went off the rails again with Part 7. Um, and then 7 doesn't even pick up... Um, well, it kind of does... So, I mean, he goes back underwater where he already was. Um, I feel like the end of part seven is it, that ending is a little bit played out in my opinion. And in this one, it sets it up nicely to where, you know, he pops up and it's a great homage to the original. All right. All right. So now you guys get a vote on which one you think is, that you want. But do to we have to removed. do our rebuttal? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That's okay. So who goes then? So I went first and then Carly and then you. So is it you first, Lacey? Sure. Okay, um, I think I've pretty much said almost everything that I want to say. Um, you know, I, I, like, I think the best argument that I have is I think this is the type of film that most people wanted to see. Um, you get Jason. Um, like, it's not supernatural at this point. It's just him. Um, I think the more supernatural it got as it went on, it's um, cheesy and silly. Um, you know, he he's not fighting somebody with powers. He's fighting, uh, you know, it's real people. And I think that's what makes it scary. Um, it's This is actually Jason Voorhees, though. It's not Roy. It's not Tommy. Um, so with that capacity, and you, I just feel like it's, this could have been, without it even being a remake, I feel like it could have been a sequel. Um, I really believe that. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with it. Carly, so is, is it me? All right. Me. All right. Um, yeah, like, kind of like Lacey said, I feel like I don't have much more to say. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think my final argument, really, for Part 7 is it did do something a little bit different than a basic slasher. Um, you know, they put a lot of effort into the look of Jason. In fact, I believe 
this is the one where they, you know, said that they were mindful of every injury that he had sustained up to that point instead of just being like, oh, let's just make a deformed looking guy again. And they actually wanted to have continuity with that and make him look like he's really been through it. So and it definitely shows. Um, And finally, I think part seven, if you're looking to get scared by these movies, um, because, you know, at this point, especially as adults, I feel like they're just for fun. Uh, When I was a kid, sure, all of these were scary to me. But I think part seven still stands out as being creepy, um, just on the look of Jason alone and the isolated setting. And for that, I think it should win because it is a true horror movie. So I think if we we constantly stress that it wasn't Jason, well, this series didn't start off with Jason being the killer. It was his mother. So I think if we look at what Friday Five did, it went back to what you could argue was the original format, a parent avenging the death of his child. And when we look at what was in that movie, there were tits, there was violence, there was great on-screen kills, there was an awesome final girl in Pam, the ending is quite clear. You you do see another person with the Jason mask on and Tommy show up, and then you do have the three of them fight. And at the end, you explore the concept of trauma with Tommy embodying Jason's evil as we saw him trying to fight it throughout the entire movie. In essence, it's like two movies in one that returned back to the original form, format that made Friday the 13th a series to begin with. So for that reason and where it stands in pop culture, whether you love it or you hate it, it moved the series forward and it moved the series back to using Jason. But it also has allowed people to go back to this movie and realize that it was ahead of its time in its incorporation of Roy, in the incorporation of trauma and in the incorporation of going back to a parent avenging the death of their child against other people. And those are my closing arguments to why I think Friday Five deserves to win. I want to say one more thing. <laughs> Justin, can I? May I? No. Uh-oh. Move on. No. Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just I wanna, don't care. I just want to say that Friday Five, I believe, is the only movie that doesn't actually have Jason Voorhees in it. Uh, like at all. At all. Well, that's not entirely true, Lacey. Because when you see the blue chevron mask, that's definitely Roy. But when Tommy is having hallucinations and flashbacks and things, the Jason that has the red chevrons is actually Jason Voorhees. Yeah, he's there. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Take a vote. So are we (laughs) voting on our top one or are we voting who to oust? You're voting to remove one. Okay, I'm voting to remove the reboot because I actually do like the reboot, (laughs) even though I had to argue against it. Um, But it was like a like an amalgamation of stuff. Um, Five and seven still are two of my favorites. um, And I feel like they gave me what I wanted out of the original franchise. So I'm booting the reboot. Jamie? Uh, I would be happy to kick seven to the curb. I think I know where Nikki's going, but Nikki? I actually thought I had my mind made up here, but one of you presented an argument that changed my mind. 
Let me guess. Was it Heather? You are correct. She pointed out that part five is it took on the same format as the original. In the original, Jason was not the killer. And that was the, the main argument that I gave when I was battling her against Jason Takes Manhattan, that he it wasn't Jason. But the Roots was the first one. His mom was the initial killer. So for that reason, I am going to boot the reboot. The fuck? Heather, as soon as you said that about, like, I'm like, that's the card she's been holding the whole damn time. <laughs> well yeah. played. Well played. <laughs> yes. All right. I did my damnedest. I love the reboot, Lacey, if it means I, anything. I, reboot, yeah. I really love part five. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, Dan hates it, and it's always the first one I want to watch because it's a whodunit. <laughs> so, um that, that was really hard, but I, I did my fucking damnedest. I really did, you guys. So are we just voting between five and seven now? Yep. And everybody gets to vote, correct? Yep. Oh, All wow. right. So, Nikki, take a vote. Between the final two? Yep. Oh, goodness. Um, now, I absolutely love part seven it's one of my favorite out of all of the films and part five has never been a favorite of mine but we are going off of the arguments that have been presented and I feel that I gotta go with part five wow all right um Jamie. Uh, well, I mean, just going off the arguments that were presented, Heather actually drove home the same things I've been saying about this film forever. Um, I've always been a defender of five. And I think that anyone who who doesn't like it, like it simply because it doesn't end up being Jason misses a lot of very cool things about this film. Also, I'd like to add that when we saw this in the theater, when it came out, you didn't realize that until you got to the end. So it didn't affect your viewing throughout the film. It was only when it got to the end that you were like, well, son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but what you had up to that point was an extremely successful slasher film, a very fun film with colorful characters and a lot of cool kills and tits. So I'm going to go part five. Uh, for me, I am also going to go part five because I only like, like, little moments of seven. I It's, like, one of my least favorite of the entire, yeah, and five I absolutely adore. And, you know, Heather, I wanted to make an argument for you. Uh, it actually has a Voorhees in it, Deborah Voorhees. Um, yeah, and, and going back to the excellent tits, yes. Deborah yeah. Voorhees. So um, I I adore that film so fucking much. Um, so I'm very happy that, you know, if it can't be me winning a debate, then I'm glad that five is going through. Uh, Rebecca. Um, I actually, so, you know, this is supposed to be the best of the worst. Yeah. But one through seven always, like, I mean, I, I have a ranking and everything, but one through seven were always super solid for me. Um, I don't have, I never had any problems. Of course, I watched these when I was a kid. And I don't even think I really 
put together that it wasn't Jason because like, because Tommy was being haunted by him or something like, so I was really confused when, you know, kind of the internet started up and people were bitching about this movie. I was like, Oh, really? Seven is one of my favorites. I do love the idea. Like I said before that now he is a supernatural character. And if somebody is going to be battling him and you want to keep it in a camp setting, that person needs to have supernatural powers. So seven, I absolutely adore, but because of, two arguments that Heather made and the first is you know it is about it it's the original theme of like you know grief of you know a parent losing a child even though Roy was the shitty dad um that plus if we didn't if they hadn't said oh shit so we just blew our load we just told everybody it's our last fucking movie we killed Jason and now we gotta now it was successful now we gotta make another one let's turn shit around if they hadn't come up with something that at least was somewhat successful, somewhat accepted, um, we wouldn't have any of the other ones. So I'm going with five being the top. Uh, Carly. Um, yeah, so actually part five is my favorite in the franchise, so I'm going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. I think it's fun and I don't care that Jason's not in it. You still get it's still a slasher film. So Yes. Yeah. Heather? Well. Thanks for the compliments on my argument. I didn't think I could do this, but I guess I did. So um, I love part seven a lot, Carly. I really liked your statements about it. But I do think after, you know, obviously with what I said, part five is what I want to go for. Wow, it's a sweep. Right. I am actually curious of what your guys' actual rankings of these films are. Oh, okay. Like just the later ones, right? Just the ones that we did. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we we should put that, we should actually make that a thread in our group. That's a good idea. And have other people weigh in so that they can, so they can see what we say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Okay, well, I guess that ends Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight. And, wow, that was a lot harder than... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was a lot of fun, you guys. Um, that ends Pillow Fight, and when we come back, we'll be talking our feature presentation, The Final Girls. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Camp Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. Nice legs, what time they open. It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. so bad what is that noise it's billy he's coming everyone who has sex in this movie dies it's awesome no sex wait 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 selfie time 
How do we get out of here? Movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy and the credits roll. That's Paula. That's the final girl. We just have to stay with her till the end of the movie. It's just corn syrup, you know, like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins. Oh, no. Oh, God, that's blood. I know in the movie you're supposed to die, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? What do we do now? We fight. presentation and welcome back we are now at our feature presentation portion of the show and we are doing a film that this is a film that i would have as a little kid i would have loved to show at my slumber parties so that's why i picked this one and it is 2015's the final girls now do you guys have a relationship with this movie have you seen it prior to the show jamie uh, yeah, I saw it when it came out, and to be honest, when it came out, I didn't like it. Um, I actually thought it was, I, I don't know, I, I don't know why, I don't know what headspace I was in. I, I thought it was really boring, and I was not a fan, and then when you said we were doing this movie for the show, I was like, <laughs> but I really wanted to hang out with you guys, so I was like, okay. Um, and then, But then when we watched it for this, uh I don't know what I was thinking when it came out the first time because it was really, it was very funny. It was so much funnier than I remembered it being, which was great. So, can I just say, Jamie, thank you for coming on the show because basically, <laughs> Lacey is like, hey, do you want to come on a guest the show and debate a movie you absolutely hate and then watch a movie you absolutely hate? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. really. <laughs> Did the Rebecca? Um, as for me, I have a very strong relationship with this movie. So I saw it when it came out and I am the only one here who has a child. Um, I do believe, or I'm assuming. And, um, my child was, uh, 14, I think about the time. And the relationship between the mom and daughter in this at the beginning is like our relationship. Like put on a dumb 80s song, maybe mom's a dork, but she keeps shit together you know, uh, so within like 30 seconds of just of of the mom and daughter, I was like in and then like, you know, then obviously, I mean, we're talking spoilers. So obviously the you know, car crashes and I'm like, what the fuck? By the end, I was just ugly crying because of that, like because I, I felt that so much. And so I then made my kid watch it with me. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not just a slasher and everything. I'm like, it's really like got all our heart. Then by the end, we're hugging and ugly crying you know, like crazy, ugly crying. And then, you know, we probably haven't seen it since whatever, 2015, 2016. And then I started to watch it last night and he walks through and goes, oh God, no, no, you're not watching that again, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I can watch it for a podcast, you know? And he's like, oh. 
sits on the couch, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I'm ready. So we had another, you know, another night of of hugging and ugly crying and my kids saying, I feel like that's going to be me in a couple decades. And I'm like, you don't even watch my movies anyway, kid. But I got it. Like, it's even stronger now that like there, there's some other things that I kind of threw out uh, that made it even a little bit more. We'll talk about, but it made it a little bit more even poignant. But um, I, yeah, there, there's just a lot of feels in this movie to me and it, taking away any of the mother daughter stuff. It's a love letter to 80 slashers by people who really, really know their stuff. So, yeah. Heather? I uh, I saw this for the first time last year, and I fell head over heels in love with it. I'm so sad I missed it when it came out. I find it incredibly endearing. I know Carly made a comment that it's more like a drama um, than it necessarily like a, a horror. comment. I guess you could call it a horror comedy, right? Like it's it's not scary, but I just think it's it's a love letter to slash to slasher fans. And I think if you're a big fan of the genre, you get even more joy out of it. Even the line where, you know, he says suck a turd and the yeah. other character goes, This movie has horrible writing or something like that. Like it's yeah. just funny. Like it's just But he says it like it's such like, a good thing, like, oh the writing's so bad. Right? <laughs> it's right. It's just so endearing. And I think this was definitely a movie that was marketed to horror fans and I do think you need to be you know in a right place going into it but I I enjoy horror comedies or what present themselves as horror comedy comedies I I enjoy fluffy fun films and I I like a lot of the actors in this and actresses so yeah loved it Nikki yeah this film affected me more deeply than I ever thought a horror comedy film could this was a first time watch for me and what I took away from it, my interpretation personally, is that it's a film ultimately about letting go. And I absolutely love the dynamic between the main star and her mom. And it reminds me a lot of me and Lacey's mom, actually. Like our mom, one of her favorite songs was legit Betty Davis Eyes. And she played all the time. And it also was very, um, it brought up a lot of emotions within me that, you know, sometimes you, you repress certain things and then you watch a movie and it's like, oh, well, that really resonates. And our mother introduced us to a lot of really cool 80 slasher films. So the mom in this film is the epitome of our mom. And I, I don't know if Lacey has told you the situation about our mom, but I won't get into all the details there, but she does live in a nursing home where she requires 24-7 care. And it's just been something that's been very difficult to let go of that grief. And this film represented it very well, like when they get sucked into the the old 80s slasher film and they're on a loop in the reality. It's kind of like a loop that is continuously going, going, going in the present moment, like not being able to let go of the past and being able to let go of the relationship that she once had with her mom in the story. And at that scene at the end where 
the mom is just all like, you have to let me go. And it's just like so reminiscent of her holding on to a relationship because in the movie, it it's the actress that is her mom. It's not really her mom, mom. So it just really epitomized her, you know, needing to let go of a relationship that she once had. And that brought up a lot of emotions within me. I legit cried on this film and I I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I, I just love when um, movies can surprise me in that way. Carly? Um, this was my third time watch for the film. Um, first time I saw it, I kind of didn't, you know, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I didn't really put too much thought into it. I probably wasn't like as, I guess, immersed in the film um, per se. So to me, it was just like good, whatever. Um, and then the second time around, that's where I really got into it and really kind of fell in love with it. And um, yeah, this movie is very emotional for sure. Um, it is a horror comedy and it's it's got a lot of heart to it. That's what I really enjoy. Um, and I think, what's her name? Anissa or something for Amiga, Thais. I think it's like Taista. Taista? Thais. Yeah, I never know Tessa how to say Farmiga. that. Tessa Farmiga. Yeah, we'll go with We'll go with that. Yeah. That sounds legit. Um, but I think she's great as the main character. Um, she's a very good actress, in my opinion. She just has great facial expressions, and you feel that her emotions are real. Um, I think everyone's worst fear is losing a parent, and uh, that really, you know, brings up a lot of emotions in me as well. Um, my worst fear is losing pretty much anyone in my family. Um, you know, I lost someone really close to me two years ago and that like still, you know, not pat, you don't get over it, but you know, it still like affects me. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose more people. So watching movies like this really do affect me, especially if they're done well. Um, and that's why I say it's like more of a drama almost to me than anything else. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, like to JP, for instance, he didn't really care. Like he likes this movie, but I think he uh wanted something different from it because it's kind of marketed as like an homage to just old 80s slashers but there's just more to it like I said there's more heart and um if you don't really connect to that then I could see being like what the hell is this it's like all sappy and stuff but I like that and I usually don't like sappy things but when it comes to like dealing with grief and loss um and it's done well as I said uh, I can really get behind it uh there's two parts in the movie that make me cry and um you know it's first when I saw it the first time I didn't really feel that way the second time I cried a lot then this time I was like okay well I've seen I'm not gonna cry again and I certainly did so I think if a movie can do that for me then it is top notch um and as far as like the slasher aspects go it's just you know it's fun um I think that's some of it's a some of it does kind of get on my nerves a little bit with the comedic stuff because it's so over dramatic with how the characters are and it's honestly not that realistic in my opinion to how 80 slashers are with the you know the camp counselors and everything they're just being way too over the top with it but um I don't mind it it's fine it's fine but uh you know I I like the film I like how they pretty much completely rip off the Friday the 13th um Chi 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 Ma Ma Ma, and they, I think they're saying something slightly different, but it's like the same exact 
Um, or kill, kill, yeah, kill. Like, yeah, was, he said like, kill, 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 pa, pa, pa. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but it's like, how did you? They got away with that. Like, it's exactly the same. Um, so I do dig that, and uh, some of the other homages, and then some of it. It doesn't really make me laugh out loud or anything, but I do think some of the stuff is funny. Like the I made up the rumor that you're on your period all the time joke and stuff like that. But there's a lot of heart to the film, and that's what I really appreciate about it. Uh, for me, this is one of those films that I loved it when I first seen it, but it's one of those things that just gets better on each watch. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit, but, uh, originally how I heard about this movie was, um, I remember they had like a little, in Fangoria, uh, they had like a little snippet of it, and I was like, ah, I want to check that out, and like, I completely forgot about it, and then my uncle Kevin was like, ah, Lou, you're gonna love this movie, and so... He let me borrow his copy of it, and I watched it, and I loved it. Um, and, yeah, I just remember, like, feeling connected to it as well because, you know, me and Nikki, we used to dance around with our mom. And, you know, me and my mom necessarily weren't, like, the closest, but I do have, like, really fond memories with her. And one of those is dancing around with a hairbrush to Madonna, specifically Papa Don't Preach. Um, you know, so... Like, I felt that connection with the character, um, Max, um, in regards to that. When it comes to the people gripe on this movie because it's not gory or bloody enough, I, I don't need that in every single film that I watch. You know, I watch a lot of horror movies. I don't think every horror movie needs it, and I don't think this one really did because I don't think it was necessarily about that. I mean, would it probably have added to it in people's enjoyment? Maybe. Um, probably me, I'm okay without it in this capacity based on the story. Um, yeah, no, uh, the comedy element, um, I laugh out loud. Um, I thought it was catchy and fun and, um, I, I love all the characters. Um, I just really like the storytelling of it, honestly. Um, and I think it goes even more in depth than what we realized. And that's kind of what I want to get into right now. So question, guys. Are you guys ready for this? Sure. All right. All right. So I was thinking a lot about this. And this is how I know that I really like a movie is if, like, I have to, like, go back and, like, rewind stuff. I'm like, wait. All right. So how'd they get there? What order did they go in? Um, and, you know, like, Nikki's, you know, diving in, you know, like, on the continuous loop thing. My question for you guys is, did, do you think that they died in the fire? I have thought about this quite, I thought about it initially when I saw that. Um, I would say probably they did. Um, you know, so they could set it up like a Halloween 2 kind of thing. They're in the hospital at the end. I, can, mm -hmm. I do feel like they died in the fire because they didn't really get out of the movie. Um, but I don't think it's something that's to like, I mean, it, by that point in time, it's just something that's kind of funny because we've already had the closure between the mom and Max. Right. What do you think, Jamie? Do you mean like in a carnival of souls kind of thing where they're dead the whole time? Yeah, well, I haven't seen that. So thank you for. But yeah, no, that. that's. Well, no, that's the point of the movie. Well, actually, no, it's not. But no. Or what about Campfire Tales? Have you seen that too, Lacey? We could spoil that one. Why well. are you spoiling? Yes, I, lo I love that movie, actually. No, I, like but why would you do that if I had The Sixth Sense? Have you ever seen it? The Sixth Sense. 
That is honestly something uh, something I hadn't. <laughs> uh, that's honestly something I hadn't considered until just now. Um, I I guess I didn't take it take that part of it seriously enough to to give it that much consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like you know, you get the fire and then they're in the movie and then it just kind of goes from there and then you know that's the part that sticks the most. But I think if you can accept the fact that if people all die at the same time, then they would have like a shared experience, then, and the only reason I say it has to be shared is because there are things that she learns from other characters that she wouldn't have known otherwise. So like the Max character with his knowledge of the films and everything, um, so if you can accept the fact that 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 if people die at the same time, then they could have a shared experience like that, then then yeah, I mean, I would say sure, why not? Heather, um, you know, I've never looked that deep into the film, to be honest with you. I I really appreciate um, everyone's insight here because I just took it as oh, look at this little fun little science science fiction slasher. They're in the movie, and like I <laughs> I didn't think that they were dead. I think that's a really you know. Um, interesting assumption so i just honestly and i i probably still feel this way i just thought it was a fun little thing of hey haven't you always wanted to fall into a slasher film we all have like a horror movie where we're like oh my god if i was in that movie this is what i would do and maybe have fantasized about being in it and i thought that was just what this was it was a fantasy come to life and the sequel part at the end in the hospital i just thought was a Yet again, a love letter to fans about sequels, personally. But I, I like the, the discussion. Carly? Yeah, I never really thought too much into it either. Um, but it's a good good point. Um, I think the ending was kind of supposed to be comedic. But then I always thought, like, maybe they're trying to set it up for a Final Girls Part 2. I don't know if there's any... I've never really looked into the history of the film or anything, if they were going to make any sequel to it. But... Um, personally, I, I think I would rather it be that they did not die. Cause then it's like, I don't know. It almost, it's like she sees her mother in the movie and everything. And it's almost like not happy to me in that aspect. If they're just dead and they're stuck in a movie, it's very depressing, which I guess that's kind of what people want in horror movies to argue that. But, uh, I, I never really took it as that they actually died though. I think that they did get out of the fire, but, and that that ending was kind of like Heather said, just like a funny little thing, kind of like, almost like to bring back up, I know what you did last summer, like a jump scare at the end or something like that, where it's like, oh my God, it's not over. It's not over yet. So you guys are saying it's more plausible that they got trapped in a 1980s movie than the fact that they might've all died. All right. (laughs) Well, okay. I will read a little bit of trivia. Okay. Uh, the original ending featured Max and Chris waking up at the hospital as the only survivors. It was deemed too much of a downer, so the director scripted and shot a new ending in which the friends survived too. Both endings tested poorly, so the scene utilized in the final cut of the movie is a mashup of moments from both versions. Hmm. Oh, so, I mean, it really, so... So they didn't know yeah. what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> no, so, they didn't, they didn't, yeah, they didn't think about it, I guess. Carly, I think you brought up something interesting, though, um, when you said that it's kind of a downer ending if you look at it that way, because I agree with that, because I would like to think that if she died, then she would get just get to be with her mother. 
Yeah, right. Well, see, I here's another theory. Um, I think maybe she died in the car with her mother, or she's in a coma. And this is all in her imagination, because the last thing that they were talking about or um, fighting about was, like, her mom didn't want to be known for this, you know, can't bloodbath movie. Yeah. And so I think maybe she's in a coma this whole time. I don't know. Could be. Still a downer, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to rewatch it, but um, I don't think they did die, because there was a scene after the the nerdy guy of the group he gets um he gets a machete thrown at him and it goes in his side and he actually shows up later in the film where he's like look guys I'm not dead and then he gets like hit by a car so I mean that could mean that they died but the fact that he didn't die from the machete maybe that was kind of a way of saying hey they're not really going to die I don't know yeah like there's some safety in this they're yeah. already dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to, <laughs> so to bring it down a little bit more, so uh, I was, like, doing some research on this, and I've already told, like, obviously three, uh, well, three of us had direct, like, connections with the characters, you know. Um, so I did know that this is written by Joshua Miller, who was Homer in Near Dark, which is awesome, Um. But his <laughs> his dad was Jason Miller, uh, Father Karras from The Exorcist. I mean, that guy did a ton of stuff. But he's probably best known to us as Father Karras. And um, he co-wrote this movie when his dad died as a way of dealing with his dad's death. And so when you watch it with that lens, and that's what I found out last night, and I just, I was crying half through half the movie when, you know, there are just times when she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go with my mom. And, like, Nina Dobrev's character goes, that's not your mom. Don't you get that? This is a character. It's not your mom. And, like, the whole comfort in, like, yes, you can watch your dad and you can remember him, but you're not really watching him. You're watching a performance that he did. And so those types of things, like, made it a little heavier this time for me. Wow. I did not have this at all. I was all, like, they're saying it because we fantasize that movies are real. And these are just like crazy Comic Con people that think Kane <laughs> Potter yeah, is like yeah. really Jason. You guys went super deep. I was like, oh, funny. Haha, <laughs> look at that guy being overly also, horny. Haha, <laughs> funny. Like, I, I mean, like obviously, and he co wrote it with someone, and obviously there's a lot of attention to detail, like the yellow yeah. button up shirts, the fact that they sing Michael Rose Boat Ashore, you know, that the camp, the Camp Bloodbath 2 standee is basically cropsy. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I think, think, I think it played both sides of the coin really well. Um, my I only what is that personally, but that's this is cool. I'm I'm learning something new. My only issue with the film is I can't quite. I I've been trying numerous ways to figure out what time period we're supposed to be in because uh -huh. the movie was filmed or the movie came out in 86 and the mom in the beginning says that was 20 years ago, uh, which would give us 2006. And then three years after that would be 2009. But the, I mean, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 2006, 2009, but this movie came out in 2015 like, is it actually supposed to be 2015? Because she's watching things on a smartphone. They're talking about things that are pretty relevant. Um, well, actually, if I, I'm not mistaken, 
Jamie, uh, this film was put on um, the back burner, like they filmed it, and then it was released much later. Okay, so it, it, is it supposed to be like 2009? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And they're saying online shopping's a big deal for 2009. I, Jamie makes a good point. <laughs> Man, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. There are a lot of things that are kind of anachronistic <laughs> about it that don't really fit. Right. Okay. So the the other thing too is that being of a certain age, I've been going through things lately where I'll see like because I have Sirius XM in my car, and like if you look at if you like a lot of times they put the year of a song after the song title, and there have been a lot of things lately where I'm like uh, 91, uh that was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I would be like oh yeah I remember when that Radiohead song came out like a couple years ago like no that was 30 fucking years ago so I mean the mom saying 20 years ago could just be like a 20 25 30 you know just yeah I was gonna say that too a thrown out number a long a long time period away that I actually had considered that because I do the same thing too because to me 1980 was 20 years ago is what it feels like I mean I swear it was like fucking yesterday so I I did consider that as well I'm just it it just I don't know. I was like, what are we supposed to, like, what are they saying? You know, and I didn't know if there was any point in the film where they actually said, and I just missed it, or if it's just kind of a loosey-goosey kind of thing. I, I mean, which is the, fine. I mean, the only thing I think is, like, set is that the movie, the original movie came out, or the original movie was filmed in 1986. So and that's, that's fine. I'm not going to, like, die on that hill. I was just curious, um, because when she's like, people don't really shop at malls anymore, I'm like, yeah, we kind of did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did yeah, so in 2009. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nikki, what's your take on that? On what was the argument? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, what year <laughs> that this was shot in? Oh, um, I I think they they probably were just trying to give it more of an 80s feel with the film. And just like, you know, to pay homage to the slasher films, like where it says on the film, it's actually a love letter to slashers. I I, I don't know if their thought process went too in depth with the year that they decided to um, broadcast in the film. And that makes sense, too. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to make a movie about 80 slashers. And so there you go. Right. I do at times feel like. It comes from people who watched a lot of movies that made fun of 80 slashers more so than watching 80 slashers themselves. <laughs> but yeah. just because a, a lot of the things that they bring up are like really tropey when I, it's, you know, not necessarily a thing. But I mean, I can also, you know, respect the fact that they did it for comedic value and and be happy with that because it was, like I said, very, very funny. I, I And I did cry several times during this but I cry at everything so that's not (laughs) surprising but it did really touch me the moments with her mom um I have similar memories with my mom um as far as she's the one who introduced me to horror um when I was uh, like a baby um that and those are some of our more special moments is watching horror films together like we had this big tradition where we would one of our favorite things to do was to order barbecue pizza and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Like that was something that we really enjoyed doing together. So I have those memories tied to horror films 
with my mom. And then, so when those things came up, it did, you know, like singing songs and like, I don't know, I think we can all kind of relate to that on, on some respect. And it really, really touched me. And I was bawling at the end by the time we got to the end when she's doing her little dance to Betty Davis eyes at the end. And she's just like, not even paying attention to what's going on behind her. The fact that he's coming up behind her, she's just, you know, they just have this like eye contact going on and it, it just, uh, it broke my heart. But the fact that she would sacrifice herself, uh, she that was heartbreaking too. But but the thing is, is like that Max came into her life, not Amanda Cartwright, but she came into the character's life and made her life better and made her so much more than she was before. Like the fact that she was so appreciative of that was like so awesome. Like it was a great little takeaway for Max when she would get back to quote unquote reality. She wasn't just the shy girl who plays the guitar. With the clipboard. Clipboard. No, I did. I, uh, I really did enjoy it this time around. Also, I love Kurt. That guy. Oh my god. Yes, <laughs> he was fucking hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. And I love the Divine. little things. <laughs> yeah. Like when the when the car pulls up and slams into the the letters and the letters go. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, I, I just thought it was so. There were so many. Fa- oh, and then the the uh, the strip tease, and then she turns around and trips and gets her head in a trap. <laughs> Yes. Oh man. <laughs> and that whole Adderall scene, like I just I, I was dying. It was it's really funny, really well done. How many of my Tic Tacs did you eat? <laughs> At first of all, they were Tic Tacs. <laughs> it was thirty. It was like thirty. Thirty, yeah. <laughs> like three. No, no, like ten. No, like thirty. <laughs> and when the end credits are like scrolling onto the Yeah, I uh, like that. Ap- yeah. After she defeated him. Yeah. What do you guys think of the look of Billy? Nikki? Um, his mask kind of, wasn't it like kind of like a fish head or something? It like, kind of looked like, like a, a tribal council. Yeah, like kind of a tiki thing or something, but yeah, tribal. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I guess I can appreciate what they did here. It was definitely different from anything. I mean, not different in the sense of like how a slasher murderer really looks but I think that they were pretty original with what they created for the murder in this film I really liked the aspect of them coming together and just using like all of their strengths and uh, how they're going to outsmart him and get out of the film Um, you know they're trying to figure out ways for them all to survive but there can only be like one final even though two actually survived I think that was the one takeaway with that the guy actually survived. But even though, like, you thought he was going to die and he goes, I don't want to die alone, you know, so she stays with him. And then I don't know. I just there's just so many sweet moments in this movie. I love Chris, too. He's a he's yeah. a really, really great character, I think. Did you guys like how they were plotting to uh, like with the bucket? And- yes. I mean, they they could have gotten him so hardcore had it not been for Tina being such a spaz. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Carly, did you like that element? Yeah, um, I like I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie. No, I'm oh. just thinking, um, 
like the whole you asked about the mask and everything and I wasn't a huge fan of that but I do I agree with Nikki where it's it was at least kind of unique but I didn't think it was like overly scary or anything um what parts what parts like made you guys emotional like what really got you Oh, it's the dancing, like, when, like, even though it's kind of weird that it's her mom and she's doing the striptease, but, like, if you watch the film and, like, you know that's when the killer's going to come get you, so it makes sense, and, you know, it's not really her mom, I guess, it's, like, the character in the film, but, I mean, there is no nudity or anything like that, and, like, she's trying to save her mom from having sex to begin with in the film. Um. No, I, I thought it was, like, it's just that moment of, like, at least, you know, this was something that she didn't get if she didn't die in the car. Just saying. Um, that she... Because she didn't necessarily get to end with her on a high note, you know? Um, yeah, that song was playing, but then she spilt the coffee or whatever it was on her shots, and the last thing her mom said to her was, those are really expensive. Crash, right? Mm-hmm. And in this, you know, she gets to see her mom being lighthearted and fun and not mad at her. I think it's, like, kind of... I, I think so far into the film where it's, like, kind of dark in a way. Like, she's watching, even if that's not her mom, she's still about to, like, get slaughtered. I mean, she does look away, but it's just, like... Uh, it's I don't know. That that might scar me even more. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I'd like to... It, but I still think it's, like, a really emotional scene. And then the part where she... They first, you know, get into their van, and then the mom wakes up, and everyone, like, turns around almost in horror, because they're like, oh my god, that's her mother, and she's, like, about to see her in person. To me, that's really creepy. I picture my mother being in a movie, and me seeing her as, like, a character. To me, that's just kind of, like, it's such a weird concept, I guess, and I, like, that was my, like, other, like, that we haven't mentioned emotional part, because she, I think she forgets for a minute, like, because she's in this, like, oh, holy shit, we're in this movie. She doesn't think about the consequences of getting in the van. And then when she sees her mom, she just has this one single tear on her face and just turns her head. And, like, for some reason, that one little shot, like, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, like, something, like, so sad about her. Like, uh, I don't know if it's because of, you know, American Horror Story and then this. Like, she presents, like just her aura like there's just something really sad and like she has really wet eyes yeah like puppy dog <laughs> yeah puppy dog yeah puppy dog eyes Nikki, yeah. do you what was that oh, no, go ahead sorry <laughs> uh no you're fine um for me what was mostly emotional was when the mom in the the movie she's just like you have to let me go and that's what like really brought the waterworks on for me because that's something that I have personally struggled with um and it's just like about you know sometimes you have to accept situations as they are and I've kind of I've held out for a long time like just you know like hoping that like my mom would wake up wake up and walk out of that facility and just say yeah fuck you I'm healed and just you know like (laughs) come back home we could watch our movies and yeah well, I will say this conversation has made me more emotional than the movie did. I don't mean to sound <laughs> stone cold here, um, but I didn't have the re- Like, obviously, I felt sad in parts that you were supposed to feel sad. Yeah. Um, but I found this more comical for me. <laughs> but I'm really happy to hear 
other people's perspectives because, you know, I can watch a movie and maybe not relate to what's going on and be like, oh, fluffy fun, like this is what it is. And then have other people like yourselves share some real personal um, connections. And it it does paint the movie in another light. The only note I was going to make about the mask is it reminded me of the mask from You Might Be the Killer. Yeah. Um, it oh, seems yeah, very see similar. Um, and I thought Don't the character. Don't spoil that movie because I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll well, tell you why. I, it's not You Might good. Be the Killer. Um, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you right. mean? So, yeah, I, I dug it. And honestly, like, I found it so funny, not to like take away from the emotional parts that we're talking about, when, even when they're sitting in the cafe studying and like the typical teenage conversation that occurs or that dude milk macking so hard on Max. Like I just found that shit jokes. Yeah, the, um, the kids were and, very believable as right? friends. Yes, yeah. very much so. And there's nothing wrong with thinking it was funny. That's a good thing that you thought, it. you know what I mean? Like it actually, it's a good movie because it has different, emotions like we're over here crying you're over there like <laughs> I'm like and, <laughs> you know and then some people were in, <laughs> some people probably just enjoy the 80s aesthetic which um you know I'm, I'm more so with Jamie where I feel like it's just people who are over dramatizing what they oh, think yeah. 80 slashers are versus what they are so that's kind of why it doesn't work that well for me with that element but I still have fun with the film and that's what's important. It's still a really well-made movie. Agreed. I love over the top shit. I love it. Like, I love, like I love student bodies. I just saw student bodies. Oh, yes. oh my it God. Kinda, it peters out towards the end, but as far as it the does, concept, it's ahead of oh, its time. Man. Do you know I what we say in my house all the time? We'll go, we'll pull something out of the refrigerator and just something random and just go, Hmm, chicken. <laughs> mm, broken like <laughs> out of nowhere just random and <laughs> uh, i love it well you think we should rate this one you guys yeah sure yep. uh nikki let's start with you i really enjoyed it i didn't think it was a perfect film by any means and it, it's definitely one i want to revisit and watch and i think that all of the the cast members did a wonderful job it has the amazing slasher element it has a lot of very cool comedic elements but it also does have an emotional element too that really did resonate and touch me so for that reason i'm giving it a four out of five carlyzy all right yes um there like i said there were some elements that i wasn't crazy about but for the most part i loved the film because it you could tell they put a lot into it and they did very well with it i thought the performances were good i like the friend characters um you know her actual real friends not really not so much the movie characters um and i like that flashback scene thing they do too where it's goes to like black they're like what's going on and they're like i think we're in like the flashback but um so there are elements i think are pretty cool with this film um and it it brings out emotions in me and not a lot of horror movies or horror, horror comedy or whatever they don't obviously horror comedy they don't really make me cry but this one this one definitely gets me so i give it um i'd probably give it a four out of five as well hdz Oh man, this this movie I could watch over and over. Oh, I don't care how exaggerated it does for 80 slashers. I love it all. 
I think it is funny. I, I love the stereotypes that are used in it. I think the acting is very good. I think there's so many good comedians in this. Um, so many good actors that they managed to throw into this film. Explains why it was made years before it was released, because a lot of them are gone on to do a lot of different things. So I'm, uh, I'm going to give it a five out of five. This is a Whoa. perfect film to me. I could watch it on repeat. Love it. Jamie. Okay, well, I mean, I've already said that I had a journey with this film. The first time I watched it, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, and then on this rewatch, I it really sank in. It's very funny. I think the comedy parts are done extremely well. I'm not in love with all the 80s slasher stuff, but they did actually save themselves at one point because I was getting really, it was about to get really irritated when um, they brought up the the virgin thing and he was just like, you have to be a virgin to survive. And then he said, in this movie, and I'm like, you fucking saved yourself right there. But, um, <laughs> I, cause I, I don't know, that kind of thing just kind of irks me. But if, then we get to the emotional stuff, which, really got me this time. And so I love a film that can balance, you know, different emotions where you're laughing and then crying and then laughing and then crying. And I think this did it extremely well. And they did the visual gags and I love booby traps. So I, I love that whole scene. It's just, um, my one thing is, did they not realize that when they're in the flashback, they could have stopped the whole thing from happening if they just kept them from blowing him up in the outhouse? <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I I really, really, really enjoyed my time with this. And I'm actually glad that I decided to do this because I really don't know when I would have watched it again. Maybe when we got to the F's because I'm pretty sure we have it. Um, I don't know when I would have done it because I really didn't have any interest in it. So the fact that I ended up doing it for this was a really good thing because it definitely changed my mind and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, so I'm going to say I will agree with a four. I'll go four out of five. Uh, before we get to Rebecca, because I know she has a special connection with this one. Um, I gotta say, I don't get the four. Like, I love this movie. And I think that the more you guys watch it, I think you're just gonna love it even more. I really, really do. Like, it's, I've seen it a bunch of times now. And each time it gets my wheels turning more, like what I was uh, presenting with you guys. And I think that you'll start to think of those things as you're watching it as well. And I think that's a sign of a great movie to me. I mean, that's what Donnie Darko did to me. I don't know how you guys feel about that movie. But anytime a movie gets my wheels turning, I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta think, you know, like that's what, you know, I think makes a good movie, at least for me anyways. Um, it has the emotion. It has the comedy. It has little bits of horror elements. It, it is a love letter to, you know, 80s. I, I love the cast. I love the music. Um, she's my chair. But, but anyways, um, <laughs> I just really, really, really love this movie. Um, it has everything that I need and want um, out of a horror comedy and then some. I am at a fucking five. So you guys already know, yeah, like, I mean, I can get past the fact that I do have, you know, a lot of emotion. Like, I just from the first time I watched this, it just really spoke to me. But I will disagree that I think the people who wrote it, I think they do actually love horror movies. They love slashers, especially Friday the 13th. And I watch those movies and I make fun of them. And people are like, why do you watch these movies if you just make fun of them? I'm like, 
because I like it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think if, if it was just like they had, you know, the slut and the da da da, you know, all the tropes or whatever, I'd be like, okay, they don't really care. But the fact that they had the yellow button up camper shirts and that they played Michael Rowe, the boat ashore, like those are two oh, like and, little. And fr- uh, they also had um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Johnny Depp. Um, the director actually said, um, you oh, know, the that, crop top. Yeah, the crop top that, that he was loosely based off of, you know, that um, that was a homage like it's homages. Um, and also um, the it he said that the director also said that this film was tonally um, somewhat structured after Friday four. Yeah, it just it's like I, I feel like some of the nuance like that, I feel like was intentional and it was coming from a place where. Yeah, these movies are kind of ridiculous, but they're really fucking fun. And some of them are cheesier than others. I mean, a lot of them have a formula. So I, I, so I, that's the one thing I'll disagree with. Um, but I'm with Lacey, five out of five. I love this movie. Well, so we got three fives and three fours across the board, guys. So <laughs> do we want to debate and try to get somebody over to a five? No. <laughs> So let's pimp our shit, you guys, and get out of here. Um, Heather, what you got coming up, girl? So you can find me on the Friday Nightmare podcast with Mr. Smoke Show Scott Crawford on the Legion Podcast Network, as well as I do It's Not Horror Okay with Nudie Android Venom on the Dark Discussions Network. And also uh, our gaming podcast is Cards Up, Controller Down, the all-star gaming podcast found on the Legion Podcast Network. Nikki? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Foresight Channeler. I do intuitive card readings where I channel messages in tarot cards, books, music, and movies. And you might actually be even starting a page on Facebook, perhaps? Uh, Yes, in the process of figuring out a group page or a business page of some sort. Right on, Rebecca. I am on In the Mike Mattis. We've been on a hiatus for a little while, but um, I am also part of SOB's Tool of SOB, where we review shot on video film. That's at SOBHorror.com. And I do two podcasts on the Indie Film Cafe Network. I do 80s horror movies. And I do Sexploitation and Sleazecast, where we, uh, we review bad porn. <laughs> <laughs> Carlizzi. Yes. I, right now, I just have his and hers movie podcast that, of course, I do with Mr. JP. And uh, coming up soon, we're going to do another Shark Week episode, our second annual Shark Week, where we just marathon a bunch of shark movies. Each of us are going to present shark movies and review them. So that'll be, that'll be fun. We'll be recording that in a, probably next week, the week after, whatever. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. That's on Dark Discussions. Right on. And I am, you know, on OWN Network now, um, where you can find Summer Party Massacre, Cut to the Chase, Cut to the Cartoon Commentary, They're Here Podcast, Skip to the Loo. And uh, with our guest, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners follow you? Unmute. (laughs) Go where? (laughs) Shit, I thought it was muted before, so I unmuted it. <laughs> um, 
Uh, thanks again for having me, guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I have enjoyed listening to you guys, and and now to be a part of it was great. Um, you can find me. Um, we went independent on Anchor, um, and that is Horror in the House of Salmons that I do, of course, with Brian. And we. Uh, I also just started a brand new show with Bo of Legion, and it's on Legion, called Whatcha Watchin'. And that's really just an excuse for Bo and me to get together about once a month. And under the premise of talking about movies that we've been watching, and then it just kind of derails into a bunch of bullshit, which is what we've been doing forever. So uh, that's really just an excuse for us to have a good time. But um, Horror in the House of Salmons uh, drops twice a month on the 15th and the 30th. And again, thank you so much for joining us, Jamie, even though like, I'm so mad that the votes didn't go my way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, hope you all have a safe and wonderful marathon of Friday the 13th. Hopefully we gave you some insight into watching some of those or watch the final girls, whatever. Uh, I'm Lacey Liu and with my co-hosts, Rebecca, Carly, Nikki, Heather, and Jamie. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Yes.